Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy, Josh Smith just want to thank you for downloading and supporting the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And if you haven't heard by now, the Social Suplex Podcast Network is running a t-shirt giveaway. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave a rating and review, then send that uh, rating and review to me. Email it to me, jeremy at socialsuplex.com, and you will be in the drawing to win a wrestling t-shirt of your choice. It can be from WWE Shop, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Pro Wrestling Tees, whatever shirt you want. Give me your size and your address if you're the winner, and we'll mail it out to you. So go ahead, help us out. Give us a, the Meltzer 5 star, and help us get some ratings and reviews. Can I win that? Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got my eyes on a couple shirts for Mania Week, and I'm like, yeah, I should probably uh, radar our show and uh, get myself a uh, book for this contest. There you so go, yeah. It. Just put your, a different name under there. Yeah. <laughs> Guy, Gaijin boy. <laughs> All right, Josh. Well, today we're going to be talking about the biggest New Japan show of the year, Wrestle Kingdom 12, as well as the following New Year's Dash event. A lot of big news coming out of both of those shows. So let's start with Wrestle Kingdom 12. Um, opened up with the 21-man New Japan Rumble. So I just want to say that at this point in time, it's Sunday afternoon? Yes. Yeah. So I feel like I have a hangover from how much wrestling we have watched over the past weekend. We literally, uh, Thursday night, as soon as I got home from work, we were planning on uh, holding off to watch this till Saturday. I knew that that was pretty much an impossibility. <laughs> and so on my way home, I was like, Jeremy, you coming over? I'm, I'm putting on Wrestle Kingdom. He's like, now? And I was like, yeah, bro, be at my house in 20 minutes. He's like, all right, dog, run it. <laughs> dude, I, as soon as he said that, dude, I like stopped what I was doing, got dressed, like jumped in the car. I was like, I couldn't wait anymore. I was like, we have to get this. We have to watch this now. <laughs> but then we, we made a, a commitment to Rich that we'd watch it with him Saturday. So then Rich was like, y'all still watching it Saturday? And I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> so we literally have... By the time that this is being recorded, we've sat through two viewings of Wrestle Kingdom, so we have a pretty, uh, like, ingrained, I guess, 
opinion about the show because we've already witnessed it twice. Yeah. What, you know, and I I've seen New Year's Dash twice. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, because you watched it before. I watched watch. it Friday morning because I uh, had the morning off to take my dog to the vet, and so the, the appointment was real quick. I was like, what am I gonna do with the rest of my morning? Oh yeah, watch New Year's Dash. <laughs> I had a I had a date last night actually, and she was like, well, what did you do with your what did you do all day today? And I was like, uh. <laughs> Watch pro wrestling. <laughs> Hung out with some buddies and we watched wrestling. <laughs> She's like, I don't understand. Like, how long was your show? And I was like, it was like nine hours. <laughs> She's like, what? And I was like, yeah, you're, you're learning some stuff about me right now. <laughs> right. She's got to be down with with the wrestling watching, or she has got to go. Oh. It doesn't matter to me if she's down with it or not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, starting off with the New Japan Rumble, um, you know this was really fun. Um, how many guys were in it? Twenty-one. Is it twenty-one every year? I think it's between twenty twenty-one. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, man, I wish I would have actually like written down notes for my opinions of it. So I mean, uh, let's talk about what we liked about the rumble and kind of like our opinions because uh, there's a few different storylines I guess that came right. through the match um, we both popped pretty pretty big for Delirious oh we popped big for Kitamura when he was like he was the who was the first two guys it was Kitamura and man I wish we would have took notes on this freaking match yeah uh, Kitamura and Abushi. That's right. Yeah. So it was the two two of the guys that we thought were kind of like favored to possibly win the whole thing, and uh, I was surprised that they brought those two guys out first. You know, I was like, oh wow, uh, the chances that they're going to win this thing has significantly dropped at this point. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Bushi was your pick. I mean, we weren't one hundred percent sure if Kitamura was going to be in it or not. He was the only young lion that was in the battle royal. He won the young lions cup. So. Can assume that was his prize for winning the Young Lions Cup was going to be in the New New Japan Rumble. Yeah, so I mean, D- Delirious came out. He was a surprise entrant. You know, he's the booker over in Ring of Honor, so that was that was kind of cool just to see like a surprise like that. Um, you had uh, Chase Owens had a great showing in this Rumble. Chase Owens is my favorite guy in the Rumble. I'm yeah. I'm like getting one over to the point where I'm starting to mark and pop every time I see Chase Owens come out. Yeah, uh, the honorary Tongan Chase Owens. He had. Three eliminations, two of them using his package pile driver. On Wait, did you say three or thirty? Three eliminations. Oh, okay, I said thirty. I was like, he eliminated like, <laughs> mad people. I yeah. didn't notice. He Chase Owens won the Royal Rumble, guys. <laughs> he Chase Owens is main eventing wrestling. But uh, yeah, the, he had his package pile driver yeah, out. Yeah, he hit uh, on Delirious and Kitamura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They missed the one on Kitamura, though. Yeah, Kevin Dunn was uh, <laughs> transferred over to New Japan and missed the uh, shot there. Um, then after, like, he kind of, elim- like, eliminated the field, it kind of, uh, all of a sudden we started getting uh, Suzuki Goon Jr. members coming in, like, left and right. So. Right. And those guys, they had, like, the pack mentality. They were all ganging up. It was Desperado, um, Taka. Kenamaru. Yeah. All three of those guys were just um, cleaning house. And then they kind of they kind of ran the the field until uh, Liger came in, and then you got Tiger Mask four, yeah. And then um, who else came in after that? Uh, you had uh, 
Gino Juicy Gambino. That's right, Gino Gambino. He's the uh, New Japan Australian liaison. I had no clue who he was. Yeah, not neither gonna, did I. I'm not going to try to pretend like I even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he came in. They tried to make a big deal. I guess he's like a surprise entrant, you know, trying to work that uh, New Zealand Australia relationship over there. Um, also, I said Kitamura was the only young line there, but I stand corrected. Hanare, who seems to look like he's graduated. Is he, Leo Tonga a young line still, too, or not really? No, I don't think so. Yeah. But yeah, Leo Tonga was in there. And of course, probably the most over superstar was Cheeseburger. Yeah. The Ring of Honor superstar. Oh, one thing to point out in this match. Okay, so they, before Cheeseburger came out, they did the spot with uh, Desperado and Tiger Mask pulling off each other's masks at the same time. And then um, Tiger Mask got pinned, Liger got pinned, and all the dudes from El- from uh, Suzuki-Goon got pinned, except Desperado. Right. He did not get pinned, and he didn't get thrown over the top, and he just rolled out, and then Kevin Kelly's like, oh, they all got eliminated. But technically, he's pulling the Curtis Axel yeah, right now. Desperado is still in the New Japan Rumble. <laughs> uh, New Japan, Desperado, let's go. Like, Yeah, so he never got pinned. He never got eliminated. At this point, he's still in the match, I suppose. Right, um, and then it uh, came down to the final four. You had Kojima, Tenzon. Uh, cheeseburger, and then another surprise appearance um, from. Um, well, Tenkoji was in there. Takahashi was in there. Right. And, uh, Masha Masahiro Kakihara was the last entrant and a big surprise. Former New Japan wrestler and cancer survivor. Yeah, they did the they did the spot. Uh, I didn't really recognize what it was when it started. Uh, I don't think either of us did until Dave Meltzer pointed it out like the next day. But uh, Kazao Yamazaki, who's one of the ring announcers, and he's a former New Japan like wrestler, and he was in the UWF. Uh, he, he's like one of the pioneers of shoot style. He stood up like. He was going to because that music came on was his music, right? Yeah. So it was like the Jerry Lawler spot or like the JBL spot, but then all of a sudden, uh, uh, ta- it's Takahara. Ka- Kakihara. Kakihara came in, and you know I'm actually not familiar with Kakihara. I know he was in the UWF, but I wasn't familiar with him before this or anything like that. But I guess you know he came in, and it came down to the final four were what him and cheeseburger. cheeseburger. And Tenkozy. And Tenkozy, yeah. And they ended up uh, eliminating Tenkozy. Yeah, they pulled the old pull pull down the rope running thing, and they those guys went flying over the top rope, and it came down to Cheeseburger and Kakihara. Well, when the match was progressing and, you know, uh, my pick, Bushi, got eliminated pretty quick, and then... My pick was Yoshihashi. He got yeah, eliminated. Yoshihashi came in kind of late, yeah. and it looked like, oh, man, I, I was like, Jeremy got this one right. <laughs> and then he got eliminated, and uh, Rich's pick, Liger, was already eliminated, so we were all kind of out of the runnings in that. But once uh, I saw Kojima coming in, I was like, oh, they're going to give Kojima the win just because he's Kojima. And then right. Tenzan came in, and I was like, okay, so it could be either of these guys. I didn't really expect either of them to get eliminated. Or David Finley was in there, too. I thought he could have yeah. possibly been one of the guys, and he got eliminated. But um, it came down to Kakihara and uh, Cheeseburger. And, uh, I mean, Jeremy, you marked pretty hard for Cheeseburger. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, dude, Cheeseburger's awesome. The fact that this guy... Uh, found a way, you know, you look at this guy, he's 125 pounds soaking wet with a rock in his pocket. 
he's found a way to get himself over in Ring of Honor, get himself over in New Japan. He's constantly booked on the New Japan Rumble every year. He's had, he has a story now of him trying to go on this quest of winning the New Japan Rumble. Yeah, because last year it came down to him and Michael Elgin were the final two. Right. And he got eliminated. Has he been in all the Rumbles so far? I think since the relationship with New Japan and Ring of Honor started, I think so. I'll have to go back and check, but... He's been in quite a few of them now, and um, Jushin Thunder Liger is a big fan of Cheeseburger and has taught him the Shote uh, Palm Strike, <laughs> which he uses as one of his signature maneuvers. Um, but unfortunately, Cheeseburger could not get the job done this year. Uh, Kakihara, uh, I forgot, what what did he hit him with? Who, uh, Kakihara? Yeah. He hit him with the STO. Yeah, that's right. That's STO, yeah, STO pinned Cheeseburger. And we had a good little feel-good moment. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty cool. I mean, uh, from what people that are familiar with this uh, guy's work kind of mentioned was that, you know, he didn't look the way he did when he was, you know, a pro wrestler or anything like that. But it was like a nostalgia act, I guess, bringing, bringing back someone who overcame adversity with cancer. And then he's uh, like one of the disciples of Yoshihiro Takayama who's a former New Japan star and former just Pro-Rezu star in general and pioneer of MMA. And he was recently uh, paralyzed in, in, a, in a comedy wrestling match, actually. And so they're trying to raise money to uh, help him. And so I guess that this was kind of a, a callback to that. And he paid tribute. I actually, we should probably later on go on and uh, read the actual transcript of what he said after the match because I, I couldn't understand it. But Yeah, I'm hearing it was, you know, a pretty like... Emotional? You know, yeah. Yeah, emotional promo. And they, they played uh, Takayama's music. As, I love Takayama. As um, Kakihara was walking out. So that was really good. Um, you know, just a fun match. Nothing... Yeah, I mean, it was it was really good. Uh, I was expecting in the past they've done more surprises, and I think as they've bulked up their roster, and every year Wrestle Kingdom is getting bigger and bigger, it's hard to get guys on the card, so there's less room for the, the surprise entrance. But I, I, man, I was really hoping for a Kabuki entrance. I was hoping <laughs> for uh, Scott Norton. Or something like that. Yeah. But we, we got a couple surprises. Yeah, so it was good. And then uh, going on to the main card, it kicked off with the IWGP Junior Tag Title Match. The challengers, the Young Bucks, challenging Rapungi 3K. You have the Young Bucks trying to earn their seventh uh, IWGP Junior Tag Titles. And you have the red-hot team of Rapungi 3K won the titles on their first night, won the Super Junior Tag Cup, and now they're trying to beat one of the best junior tag teams in the world to continue their rise. I thought... Um I thought Nick and Jack, or Nick and Jack, (laughs) Nick and Matt, when they came out, they were just hilarious when they were uh, talking about Jordan, only did it six times, and uh, just all the, like, antics that they had when they were coming out. Like, I was was freaking marking for that, like, super hard. Um, This match was, like surprisingly good and they got more time to work than you had kind of thought they yeah because in the past I mean the junior tag title match usually didn't get that much time and usually it was like fatal four way kind of thing and so this year you know one on or team on team match um, and they got plenty of time to work and they did some great storytelling in this match with um, 
Matt Jackson's back being injured and Yo's back getting injured. And so it's just a whole story of which team was going to overcome with both men being down. Um, the Young Bucks proving that not only can they do flips and super kicks, but they can actually work a traditional tag match style and kind of a traditional tag team match. I think they, if, if we're being honest, I mean, I've seen... I've seen, I'm not like, I haven't seen all their work, but I've seen quite a bit from the Young Bucks, and I've never thought that they couldn't work a real match. Uh, last year's Wrestle Kingdom match showed so, that they could work right. like a, well, a psychology The problem is match. You, you have um, guys on Twitter who all they see is a gif of a dropkick spot. And they're like, oh, the Young Bucks can't work. All they do is, you know, drop kick spots, super kick spots, flips, like they don't know how to work. But if you actually watch a Young Bucks match from start to beginning, any promotion, you'll see these guys know how to work. And they are one of the best tag teams in the world right now. There was um, quite a bit I did like about this match. One of the things that was really cool was in the beginning of the match, um, they seemed pretty evenly like paired. Except for Rapongi 3K had almost like a little bit of a, a one up on them in that they had Rocky Romero on the outside and he was like calling, he was literally calling plays for them. Right. And it's a little backstory Rocky Romero's had a, a feud with the Young Bucks for several years with his former team, Rapungi Vice, when he teamed Bar- with Beretta and also when he teamed, when he's part, of the, Hooligan, yeah, part yeah. of the Hooligans. So he's been feuding with the Young Bucks for years. So it's like a personal rivalry and he's the director of Rapungi 3K, so he knows. The Young Bucks moves, so he was calling out plays to those guys. Yeah, so it was really cool. They, um, you know, they started off pretty even, and then it got to a point where, um, you know, they start uh, Rapongi 3K started get the the one up on them, and he was calling plays out, and then, um, you know, they got they got a little bit of a shine there. But the match really turned when they they he called out for a double dive spot, so they did uh, double uh. Uh, what is it called? Topes? Yeah. Yeah, double, double uh, suicida topes. And when they fell, Yo, um, who's the one in the silver pants, the skinnier one, <laughs> he the way he fell, he fell like hard on his back. And so then that started off the storyline that Jeremy talked about where his back was injured. From that point on, it gave it put a, a bullseye mark on him. And, uh, you know, the Young Bucks just started going to town on that, hitting him with all kinds of creative offense. But what they really did that was super smart was once they isolated him and separated the team, um, they took Rocky Romero out entirely. They did what what was the they, they powerbombed the him on the on the ramp. On the on the catwalk. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they took him out onto the catwalk and they uh, they put him up for a power bomb and dropped him, laid him out. From that point it seemed that like going forward, even though uh Rapongi three K are extremely talented and, you know, hungry and have fire and all that, they they couldn't put together a game plan to overcome the experience that, that the Young Bucks have. Right. They this, really they really needed Rocky calling the plays. Yeah, they needed someone there showing them how to how to overcome such a uh, seasoned veteran team team so um there was a lot of psychology there with that and they kept attacking the back um how did matt mess up his back in that match? Uh, i think it was on a dive he, w- he did a dive and landed back on the his back landed on the, the ramp no oh no 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 what it was he did a dive over the top and missed oh yeah yeah he took like a back body drop he took kind a of back thing. body he drop on the on the mats on the ring, ring side that's yeah, what it was yeah 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 so his back got messed up too so then uh, the storyline of the match kind of became that Yo was injured in his back and Matt was injured in his back um, but the Young Bucks did a much better job cutting off the ring they never really let uh, Rapongi 3K come back too much um 
until like towards the end there was a hope spot where Rapongi 3K kind of got some offense. They put him in double sharp sharpshooters, and so uh, like Nick and Nick and Matt are like side by sides, and Matt is just in so much pain he's about to tap out. Nick catches his hand. He's like, no. He's like, no, you're not tapping out, and uh, that. Kind of is ridiculous if you really think about it in the context of a fight. If someone's trying to give up, I mean, just because their hand doesn't hit the mat, they probably are, should still be out. But right. it's this pro wrestling, the great world pro wrestling. <laughs> and that doesn't matter. So uh, they they kind of continued on, and um, how did they end up eventually? Oh yeah, yeah. So eventually they ended up like just isolating them into, uh, entirely. Uh, Yo just kept kicking out of offensive move after offensive move, but eventually they ended up... What did they hit him with? So they hit a melter driver, melter and driver. then Nick Jackson put a sharpshooter on and got a submission victory. Yeah, and that was it. That was about, what, 15 minutes? Yeah, and uh, Young Bucks were your new IWGP Junior Tag Champs, seven-time Junior Tag Champs, and um, this is one of the matches that I predicted correctly because I really didn't see where they could go for Pungi 3K beating the Young Bucks. So now we have a rivalry going with the Bucks and 3K. Based off the press conference, it sounds like we're going to get that rematch at New Beginning in Sapporo. Yeah, not not jumping too far ahead, but they ended up uh, in a multi-man match the next night as well. At New Year's Dash. Yeah, so it seems like they are. Tr- that's the direction they're kind of going. Um, yeah, that match actually was 18 minutes and 49 seconds. So oh, wow. just under 20 minutes. I mean, that's a long opener. Yeah. Really, really good match. Um, I think some people might have dug it a little more than I did. I liked it a lot the first time upon the rewatch. I appreciated the storytelling of it more so than I did the first time. It wasn't just about the cool moves, but I didn't think it was as high of a caliber match as I did when I was as first excited about it. Um, Where did you end up going on that? On on the star rating? Yeah. I give it four stars. I think I was like around like three and three quarters on that. Yeah. So very, very, very good match though. I I will say this though. I think the storyline essentially is what, what I mentioned earlier that... Rapongi 3K are very talented. They don't have the Bucks number yet. The Bucks are too too seasoned, and they don't have enough experience without Rocky by their side. And so that's why it was really smart psychologically that they took out uh, Rocky Romero. But I think that this is not going to be the the blow off at all. It's just like Jeremy said, he was right. This is the start of a, a brand new feud for them, and I think they're going to have better, more classic bouts later on where they're not opening up cards they might even be in like the semi or even main event right and we could see like a real classic between these two because this match was very very good yeah I think we'll definitely see more of these guys later on this year and it'll be great stuff I did want Rapongi 3K to win I'm not gonna <laughs> lie <laughs> I don't like being wrong <laughs> um, alright the next up we had the never open weight six man championship gauntlet match you had a mm. chaos team of Beretta, Ishii, and Yano. The Suzuki Goon team of Zack Saber Jr., Taichi, Izuka. The Team Taguchi Japan team of Taguchi, Juice Robinson, and Togi Makabe. And then the champions of the Bullet Club team of Tangaloa, Tamatonga, and Bad Luck Fale. Yeah, so this match uh, started off with the matchup of War Machine and Elgin uh, taking on Suzuki Goon. 
Um, I will say Zack Sabre Jr.'s uh, jacket was freaking hard that night. Yeah. I'm like, dang. Like, I don't like to wear wrestling clothes that much, but I would I would definitely, like, sport the... Like, this is a Sabre jacket. Yeah, I would rock the crap out of that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, starting off with this first matchup, what did you think of, of the first, you know, of, of the meetings? All right, so we had uh, War Machine and Elgin taking on Suzuki Gun. Uh, War Machine just showed again why they're such a great team and why they're so awesome and why I'm sad to see them leave the New Japan Tag Division. You know, you had Hanson doing his normal, you know, flips and cartwheel spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Rowe showing his striking, um, how good his strikes are. Michael Elgin had some great power moves. Um, but at the end, uh, we had Suzuki Gun. Uh, they were cheating. As usual. They were out there cheating. They jumped those boys from the very beginning. Uh, they kept, you know, using outside tactics. They just... And I believe pretty much all the other members were out there on the ringside, right? I don't remember how many guys... Not everybody. Not everybody, but, but Taka and Desperado. Yeah, Taka and Desperado and, were uh, out there. Kanemaru, I believe, was out there, too. They, uh, tai Chi doing... Oh, I freaking hate yeah, Tai Chi. <laughs> he, uh, you know, was hitting guys, and he doesn't... He, he uses, um like, the, the bell... The, hammer. The bell hammer, but he doesn't hit him with the hammer part. He just hits him with the freaking handle, because he's a heel. Uh, I mean, hats off to the guy, because he... He's really hated because he's a good heel, but man, um, I thought the first part of this match was like, it was just whatever. It went by. Uh, eventually, Zack Sabre Jr., who did he end up tying up? It was him. He got uh, Ray Rowe and passed him out with a uh, leg scissors hold. Uh, I believe the it is the triangle choke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got him in the triangle and uh, looked like Rowe was going to uh, do the freaking uh, Rampage Jackson pride uh powerbomb on him and yeah. he uh, he actually flattened himself out. Yeah, well, he did like a leg hook to take him down yep, he leg hooked and him. then locked the triangle in deep. And he, yeah, he passed out within seconds so then that was it. That was my War Machine and Elgin were my pick for the swerve I thought they were going to do but I was wrong. And when we uh, had discussed our, uh, you know, what we thought would happen here, I said if this was the first matchup, which it did end up being, I was like I see Suzuki Goon cheating and getting past them and they did so then the next team that came out was was it Chaos? Yeah it was Chaos, Beretta, Ishii and Yano and they jumped them on the way to the ring They jumped uh, Chaos? Yeah Suzuki Gun did? Yeah Suzuki Gun jumped Chaos on the way to the ring uh, there was a lot of chaos. Yeah, there, it was like a melee. It was just like a mishmash. Right, and then you had um, Azuki was out there with his um, iron, yeah, the steel, iron claw. yeah, the iron glove, claw, whatever you want to call it. it. Yeah, and he was trying to hit Yano, Yano. with it, but he ended up hitting Tai Chi. Uh, and Yano hit him low. Hit a low blow and a schoolboy. It was like seconds. Like this match, the second uh, the second matchup was over. Like in like what two minutes? Three yeah, minutes. something it was like that. Super short. Yeah, and so Chaos got Suzuki Gun out of there. Yeah, which was great. I mean, uh, Yano <laughs> get one up on those those heels using his own heel tactics. And it kind of it kind of continues the story of Yano and Suzuki with Yano getting over on Suzuki Gun all the time, just constantly. <laughs> so then we ended up uh, with the third team coming out, which was Team Taguchi Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that they actually had a little bit of a longer match. Um, Who was that? Was uh, Juice uh, Taguchi and Makabe? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And um, Juice kind of came out like on fire, hitting everybody with punches. Yeah, Juice is over with the punches, lighting everybody up. 
Uh, Makabe was doing his Makabe thing, you know. I don't really remember too much about this match. It just kind of went by um, until I mean, the end, really. Yeah, the end. Taguchi, he's decided to do a Nakamura tribute. <laughs> he did the uh, hand taunt thing and the little throwback thing. I don't know exactly what you call that. But then he was going for a um, hip attack version of the Kinshasa. But um, oh, is that what he's trying to do? I thought he was really trying to hit the uh, the Bombay. No, I think he was he, he was, was trying to turn the Bombay into, into a, a hip attack version <laughs> of it. And because he threw himself backwards, Yano was able to turn it into a schoolboy and pin pin him, him, wrap him up, and so then we ended up with uh, the finals being uh, Bullet Club, which was the OG Bullet Club, OG right. BCs, the Tonga Club. I like to call it call them. Uh, Tangaloa, Tamatanga, Bad Luck, Fale, the champions came out there. Uh, and I'd, I'd just like to say, up to this point, the exact way I figured they'd book this is exactly the way it went down. Yep, the, the exact order, the exact... I didn't predict who would get the pinfalls, but I predicted the, the match layout, and I figured that this would be the finals, and it did end up being the finals. And the team you predicted to win got the win. Chaos got the win. Beretta hit Tamatanga with the Dude Buster. It was a pretty cool sequence. Uh, Tamatanga went for the gun stun. Then Beretta reversed it into a backslide, but then rolled the backslide into the Dude Buster. Yo, but how... Uh, we're, we're forgetting. How about... Um when Tama hit, uh, what was it that? Oh yeah, yeah. the, the um, Beretta was it Beretta that it did was a moonsault? Beretta, Beretta yeah. went for a moonsault, and then um, Tama ran in and did a gun stun. It was oh, it was my. like almost cooler than any RKO from out of nowhere I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, that was, it like was the so best quick. the best cutter out of nowhere I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we popped pretty hard for that. Um, Tam, how about Tama's uh, new new NWO Wolfpack gear? Yeah, and uh, also uh, Tongaloa had was wearing red and black. Also, yeah, that was there. Uh, yeah, I mean it's Wrestle Kingdom. Everybody has new gear, so it's pretty tight. But we, it was funny because we mentioned how like up to this point we noticed almost everybody on the card had new gear. They were coming out like trying to look fresh to death, and then you got uh, Bad Luck Fale. Bad Luck Fale comes out and he's got this gray jumpsuit on and just some like fresh kicks. Like yeah. we're like, what is he wearing? Yeah, right as soon as they zoomed in on his shoes, I'm like. Like, is he wearing Converse? Yeah, he's like, is he wearing Chucks right now? And I was like, yo, I was like, I could just see in the back when the guys were like, yeah, I've got this new gear, you know, I paid this much for it, you know, and you got like Skrull in the, over there with his like angels or like his vultures wings, and they're like, yo, underboss, what are you going out tonight? And he's like, yo, I'm gonna wear Dickies <laughs> and Chucks. <laughs> and they're like, word? Yeah, and uh, when I made that joke, they zoomed up and we noticed that he literally he was, was wearing, wearing Dickies. Dickies. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so eventually uh, Chaos ended up getting the victory. Trent Beretta hit, him, hit uh, uh, Tama with the Dude Buster. Got the one, two, three. Feel good moment. That's uh, Trent Beretta's been champion in, the, in New Japan before in the junior division, but never anything as a heavyweight. So this is his first, like, real big win, essentially. Right. And so that was a feel good moment, especially for me, because I predicted this match correctly. <laughs> that was a real feel good moment for the young boy. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't have been as invested in this match, except for I wanted to be right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but it was probably, to be honest, I mean, it, this match was just a, a, a mishmash. It was it was yeah. fun. It didn't, like, underperform. I mean, it was pretty entertaining. It wasn't anything that you'd say was blow, blow away or classic. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. What was that, like two and a half? I, I, I think I was leaning towards 2.75. Yeah, I mean, it was it, there was nothing bad about it at all. It was just, it was there, it was fun, it was quick. You know, you got four little matches in 17 minutes. So we got four little tiny gauntlet matches 
in less than the time that it took for them to have that first classic uh, <laughs> tag match. It's crazy. But we got new champions. So that was cool. And then uh, next up, we had the handsome battle between Kota Ibushi and Cody Don't Call Him Rhodes. Um, he was out there. He was accompanied by Brandy Rhodes. Oh, looking so fine. Oh, oh man. my God. We didn't even talk about Tokyo Latina during Oh, that. yeah, and the uh, New Japan Rumble. The New Japan Rumble. She came out with Yujiro, and I was like, thank God. Oh, my yeah. God. I love I love. And I have Peter. to agree with uh, Brian Alvarez. There was not enough emphasis on Tokyo Latina in that Rumble, and I was sad not to see her at New Year's Dash either. But we, we did get Brandy Rhodes two nights in a row, and Brandy. that was amazing. Brandy is like amazing, bro. Like she's like my dream woman. <laughs> Dude, yeah, she's awesome. And for she, me, for me, it, it used to be like my dream woman was. It was always Miss Elizabeth, but I think she's usurped her. Uh, Liz is down here. I got, I got Brandy up here now. <laughs> oh man! Like Brandy's like, oh man, like come away with me. Let's start a life. <laughs> Let's grow old together. Yes. Yeah. And uh, some, you know, we were talking about like the differences between Tokyo Latina and Brandy Rose, and you said Tokyo Latina. Is the girl you like can have fun with, but Brandy is the girl you bring home to mom and dad. Yeah, you wife that girl up. If you get a right. chance, like you, you can't bring hey, you can't bring Tokyo listen, Latina home. Cody, you get a lot of flack. There's a lot of things that people don't like about you. Whatever. My hat's off to you, sir. Yeah, you you did a great job there. It. I don't care if you're ever world champion or a hall of famer. Hey, you you already won. The ring doesn't matter. You got the girl. I'm freaking him. Right. I want to. <laughs> I love her. I love her. Alright, so Brandy ended up playing a big role in this matchup and this match, you know, told a really good story between these guys. You know, there's a lot of doubt from a lot of people on Cody Rhodes' performance and would he be able to have a great match on Wrestle Kingdom against Kota Ibushi and he delivered here. Um... Jeremy just, uh, that was an awesome sound bite. I had to get up and get myself some coffee, and Jeremy's such a pro, he just keeps it going. <laughs> but, uh, no, I was listening. You're, you're absolutely right. The the story was was awesome. I um, For me personally, and I'm not saying this was the best match on the card or match the year contender or anything like that. It wasn't. But I will say this. For me personally, my favorite match of the night. It was very good. It was better than I expected. We had, um, you know, the great tri- golden triangle moonsault spot. Um, there was a spot where um, Ibushi went to do a uh, plancha onto Cody, but uh, Brandy ends up getting hit. Coda shows compassion, picks up Brandy, but then Cody knocks down Coda. Which you, uh, which was all a, a ruse, it was all planned, and Cody and Brandy start laughing. I there was a lot, not even just for those moves that I liked. I mean, st- starting off from the entrances, I really liked Cody's entrance coming out with the he had that hood on, kind of looking like he was like Neville back when he was like uh, I don't know what his character used to be, but when he oh uh, this. I don't even know what it was. Yeah, like when he, it was like the green arrow hood or whatever. Yeah. He came out, him and Brandy just, they looked like stars, man. Uh, the character work was amazing. Brandy yeah. Brandy got up in the mic and she was ta- like just hyping uh, Cody. And then she said something about how, you know, she's the greatest woman in wrestling. And if you don't agree with that, you're, you're just, just a little mark. No, she said you're a simple <laughs> mark. And then she did that laugh. And I was like, oh, this is, Dude, this yeah. is brilliant. Like, she's great. Listen, she's a great character. 
and it definitely adds to the presentation of Cody. And Cody came out there. He had he was so confident, completely different Cody than you saw in WWE. He's a star. He carried bro. himself as a star. He was so confident, and he just delivered a great performance. It, but uh, it was night and day from last year when he made that entrance to the Tokyo Dome to wrestle Juice. Juice. Yeah, comp- night and day, bro. Like yeah. last year it was like, oh, this is cool. You know, it's like a novelty. But now it's like Cody's a star. Hey, Rich, you asked us a question uh, a few weeks ago. Is Cody good? Hey, by or or is Cody great? By himself, nah. But with Brandy, yes, yes. that man is great. <laughs> He's money. He is money. Brandy if, Rhodes. If, if Cody is a draw. ever goes back to WWE, they have to bring Brandy with him. Uh, and then Don Callis, like the calls that he was making while they're walking down. Yeah, it just it added so much to the match. Actually, I I don't think I would have enjoyed this match as much in Japanese, and that's not always the case. Lots of times, I think the Japanese commentary is awesome. But Don Callis's and and Kevin Kelly's calling of this match. Dude. Was like money. Those two were great the entire show. Yeah, yeah. They are a really good broadcast announced team, and they're just the perfect pairing. And they carried the help carry the you know add some detail to that show. Cody came down to take off the ring, and uh, and Kevin Kelly was holding the box, and he's like, and he's like putting the box in there, and then he was like, he's like, all right, I'll protect the street. He's like, no, Don, Don. Don. <laughs> he hands it off to Don Callis, and he was like, Don Callis is like, Kevin, I wouldn't trust you with Julia either. And then Kevin's like, what are you doing with that ring? Uh, no. <laughs> no he's, like, he's like, what are you doing that? He's like, uh, what? what's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's but, just, Don Callis at this point is like, it reminds me of like Bobby the Brain Heenan yes. in the 90s. Like Which he, he, he admitted on Killing the Town, that's somebody that he emulates and he studies. He, he is... Bobby the Brain Heenan right now. And I mean, that's the highest praise I can give to to a guy like that. I mean, what he's doing is kind of lost in wrestling right now as far as commentating. But Uh, uh, the spot of this match, though, Cody gave Ibushi the crossroads off the apron to the floor. That was that was that was an insane spot. Yeah. Um, That the way that um, we said it during the preview when we were talking about the uh, the road two shows. And remember, he gave him this the uh, what is it the crossroads? Yeah, he gave him the crossroads on the uh, on the stage setup during that show. And the way that that Coda takes this, he doesn't take it like a like a pancake, like a, f- a flat face bump. He jumps up and like spikes himself on his head. It looks so freaking dangerous the yeah. way he takes it. It it makes the move look infinitely more vicious than it actually, actually is. is. Yeah. And then he did the same thing here off the but off, off the, the apron to the floor. Yeah, I mean, no wonder the guy's got neck problems. You know what I mean? Because this guy's taking some really risky spots. I mean, but it looked amazing the way he took it. Right. And then they, they he almost got counted out at that point. It was uh like at nineteen he just barely, barely jumped in. in. And then at one point, um, Cody says to Abushi that Kenny will never love you as much as he loves me. No, no, no. I think he said Kenny doesn't love you like I do. Yeah, yeah. Which was weird. Like, it's like mind games or something like that. Um, But, yeah, this whole match kind of plays into the storyline of of Omega and... Ibushi and Omega and Cody. And um, then coming down to the end of the match, um, Ibushi was able to hit his Kamagoye knee strike. And that wasn't enough. He went to the top and hit a beautiful... Phoenix splash and got the three count. Those finishing sequences 
that they did in this match out of all the matches tonight even or tonight <laughs> of Wrestle Kingdom even some of the other matches like for instance I didn't I thought that the the false finishes that they did in this the only other match that maybe had a better finishing sequence in terms of like um like rapid succession of near falls was probably the main event they um like Cody just kept hitting Cody hit him with the crossroads and he hit him with a couple other things and then they kept teasing the Kamigoye and uh Cody, Cody just kept like Yeah, he dodged it like he two, dodged or, it three like two times. or three times. And then uh he kept get he got hit with that amazing uh I don't or the straight jacket um German suplex. Yep. Also Cody hit the last ride. Yeah, he hit him with the last ride, he kicked out of that. It it really put over I like that Cody was is a major player. This is the best match in my opinion that Cody has had in New Japan. Definitely in Japan, but maybe even I thought it was better than the than, Okada than match. the Okada I, match. I agree too. Um, but yeah, you're right. So then he hit him with the Kamigoye, one, two, three. Um, the, the Phoenix Splash. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, that Phoenix Splash, that's one of the best Phoenix Splash I've ever seen. Dude, he hits it so effortlessly. It's picturesque, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. And yeah, he got the one, two, three. And then did they kind of just like all walk off at that point or... There wasn't much in post-match from that. Yeah, there wasn't much in post-match. Um, Brandy Road threw the ice bag. <laughs> That's right. That I was wondering. There was something. Yeah, so they were they were really selling that they were both like spent after that match. And Brandy came in there threw the ice bag at Ibushi. And Ibushi threw it back. Ibushi looked at her and he threw it back at her. <laughs> so uh, what would you rate that one, Josh? Okay, okay. So <laughs> I'm... Um, Man, so this match really reminded me in a lot of ways from the storytelling aspect, the character work, the, the just the way that it was put together. It wasn't like the most blowaway match in the sense of like I've ne- like it wasn't like Okada and Omega last year where you've never seen like physicality like that. It wasn't like that. It was but it was one of the smartest work matches. It reminded me the way it was presented, the way it was put together. It really, really reminded me of Velveteen Dream versus Alistair Black from the last uh, NXT TakeOver at War Games. Very, very similar. And I loved that match. And that match got a lot of praise, but a lot of people were like, oh, it's just character work, blah, blah, blah. You know, they didn't love it. For me, I'm almost... I'm like almost four and a half on this match. And I know other people are not for obvious reasons, and I could be wrong. It's probably four and a quarter. That's where I'm at four and a quarter on this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like the definitive ranker, and I think I can. Like, I don't. I'm not really like. I'm. This is kind of like the first time I'm really like publicly like giving out my star ratings. You, you never do it. I never do it. No. You know, our brother Rich from One Nation Radio always puts out his star ratings. But yeah, I, Rich puts out his ratings, and people get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> they get pissed like he's like he's Meltzer, Meltzer or something yeah. like that. I never really put ratings out. I'm gonna start doing it this year. And uh, for me uh, personally, I think this was a four four and a quarter. I'm like. I want to go four and a half on it because I was so high on it because it, it was just I can't find anything that I really thought was wrong with it. It didn't get to the next level where it's like this is match the year caliber or anything. But as far as like, man, I watched it twice. And the second time I loved it the first time and the second time I watched it, I liked it even more. And there wasn't anything else that I was like higher on, like way higher too much than this match after I watched it again. I was like, man, every every spot, every single like sequence really just made sense to me and told like an awesome story. I was like, this match, I can't, I'm, I could go on and on <laughs> because I really like this match. Yeah, it was really good. It was a really great matchup. And I didn't think it was going to be good. 
I, I really didn't think it was going to be that good because it's Cody and Kota Ibushi. And I was like, well, you know, it, this is what it is. I think I said that this match would be like three stars. During yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. So like that, maybe that's another reason I'm like so blown that it was as good as it was. Great match. Oh, and Cody did. The, yeah, Cody was do, was pulling out all the stops. He did that uh, springboard uh, Frankensteiner. Yeah. Really cool match, man. If you. I give this match the Josh Smith seal of approval. <laughs> High recommendations. It's super endorsed. Go watch it. Oh, man. Uh, Cody, hats off to you, sir. You're getting better by the day. Uh, so the next up, we had the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. The challengers and World Tag League winners, Evil and Sonata, taking on the champions, Killer Elite Squad, Davy Boy Smith Jr., and the American Psycho, Lance Archer. Yeah. So, good match. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. No, Showing no love for the tag match. No, actually, I'm just joking. It was Actually, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, what were your thoughts on it, Jeremy? I was kind of surprised the approach they took. I mean, as soon as the bell rang, KES was all over. Evil and Sonata. Yeah, they hit the killer bomb on uh, Sonata. No, Evil. Oh, yeah, on Evil. And then uh, Sonata came in and made the save. I mean, for a second, I thought that was going to be it. I thought they were going to squash them. They looked like it. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and then after, I mean, even Sonata had a hard time coming back. Uh, Archer and Smith controlled the beginning of that match and just was just beating the crap out of them. Choke slams, power slams, double team maneuvers. They worked on top, like, the whole match. Right. That match was, like, 80-20. Yeah, they um. One thing that was really interesting was uh, Evil came out with uh, all the different like colors like weaved into his hair, and I was like, "Yo, why is he looking like a SoundCloud <laughs> rapper right now? He looks like a little, a little pump." pump. <laughs> oh man! But um, they this match was actually it was only 14 minutes, uh, nothing super long. Um, they told a really good story that like. Killer Elite Squad are just such a seasoned tag team and so imposing physically. And they're monsters. They're yeah. monsters. And every time that uh, either Evil or Sonata started to get anything going, they just were getting cut off. No double team maneuvers right. coming from LIJ. Um, there was a crazy spot close to the beginning of the match where uh, Archer choke slammed Evil into a pile of young boys. Oh, and Sonata. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was scary, actually. Yeah, Eva, if the young boys weren't there or didn't catch him correctly, Evil would have hit his head against the railing. Yeah, the way he landed, it looked like if he just kept going, you could you could make like the fit, like the invisible line to like, here's his neck, there's the rail, he's gonna get like his neck broken, and then he just stops because they catch him. Right. And then um, another crazy spot from Archer, he hit a big overhead. Top rope superplex. What is that called? The Spanish fly? It looked like it looked like he was doing a Spanish fly, but it, he didn't go all the way. He didn't rotate. When, when you go all the way over, yeah. that's what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the same setup as a Spanish fly, and it looked like we were watching it, and I was like, oh my god, this guy Archer. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was gonna do it, but he didn't flip all the way over. It was um what was the the uh, suplex that Taz used to do where he'd grab the guy like this and flip uh, is that the Tazplex? I think, yeah, that's the Tazplex. Yeah, so essentially it's like a top rope Tazplex, basically. Um, but then, like, towards the end of the match, um, I don't remember really how they got the turnaround, but freaking Evil and Sonata, like, just started working their tails off, man. And Evil was hitting guys with lariats, and he was trying to keep them separated, and it just broke into, like, a uh, like a frenzy. Um 
Man, Evil and Sonata kicked out of like a lot of big yeah, offense. Uh, Sonata kicked out of the Killer Bomb. Yeah, he kicked out of the Killer Bomb. It looked like that was game. Which time I don't right think there. I've seen anybody kick out of the Killer Bomb. I haven't watched him enough to know. I'm sure probably out there somewhere. But since we've really been paying attention in in New Japan since last year, no, nobody yeah. has. Um, Unless maybe they have and we just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, coming on to the ending of the match, you had. Um, Sonata and Evil they hit the magic killer and then Sonata hit the Muda Boon Salt. They were gonna so they were gonna put um I think Evil and the Killer Bomb into the Killer Bomb. And he again. Fought out they of fought it. out of it. They threw Archer out, and then they just in a flash they just hit uh, the Magic Killer. The Magic Killer, and it puts over how awesome the Magic Killer is. And I think did he did they try to pin him there and he kicked out? Uh, no, I think didn't Sonata just go straight decide to do the Muda Moon Salt? Yeah, he went up and hit that Muda Moon Salt, and I mean I just watched the Muda match the other day, and it, he he does the Moon Salt exactly the, with the same speed and velocity and like character. It's the same Moon Salt that that Muto used to do, and they got the one two three, and you know KES looked super dejected. Uh, they they walked out and. Lij stood tall with both their trophies and their belts, and they're the new, you know, premier tag team in New Japan right now. All right. What would you rate that one? That match was. I was surprised at how good it ended up actually being, with some of the underwhelming performances from from uh, Lij this year during like the tag tournament stuff. But this is a team where when it's time to perform and they want to turn it up, especially like Sonata, they can. Yeah, they, they almost have like the Randy Orton, Randy Orton syndrome where if it's not a big match, they're going to mail it in. But when when it's time to turn it on, they turn it on. And how about Sonata just looking like dead the whole match? Still, no, matter, like, no matter what happened. No Cold matter, skull. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would have rated that like three and a half to like Three and three quarters. Almost. Yeah, I'm on three point seven five for that one. And I was three point seven five for the other tag match. I thought that the other tag match was slightly better than this, but they were almost on par for me. Surprisingly, it's a very good match. Then next up, we had the never open weight championship match. It was hair versus hair. The challenger, uh, Hiroki Goto, challenging Minoru Suzuki. And this match started off. Um, pretty crazy almost similar to the previous match where Suzuki just immediately um, gets the jump on Goto takes him to the top rope locks in a choke well no remember before that they 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 did the stare off like the big moment the stare off and then like Goto slapped him and then Suzuki slapped him and then it's like oh we're getting a strong style match but then and then all of a sudden Suzuki, Suzuki does, put him in the sleeper right on the top rope got him in the sleeper choked him out Goto's body goes limp. He falls down. You have the doctors jumping in the ring. The ref, they're trying to check to see if Goto can continue. That probably should have been it. <laughs> right. Like, if obviously, if this was a real fight, like, they would have had to call the match. But, obviously, it's pro wrestling. Uh, I think the argument could have been made, though, because the way he put him into it, they were in the ropes, and he right. was on the top rope when he choked him out like that. And the ref was trying to get the break. The ref was trying to break it up. So I've seen a match, actually... Back in Pancrase in the early '90s, this they were an MMA promotion where they had rope breaks as well, uh, because it was a hybrid of pro wrestling and MMA before MMA existed. There's a there's a really awesome match from '93 where Ken Shamrock fights. Uh, oh man, I forget who it is. I'd, I'll have to come back. But uh, Yojiro Takahashi. 
No, that's not who it is. I don't know. Anyways, he puts this guy into a, into a chokehold, and the guy gets to the ropes, and he still ch- chokes him unconscious before the five breaks. They had a five break, too. Wow. And in a real fight, like, that's the stupidest thing in the world because it only takes five seconds to choke someone unconscious. <laughs> so it doesn't really translate well to wrestling. But if he had choked him unconscious, which Shamrock did, the fight should have ended, but they're like, oh, he was in the ropes. So they restart. They gave him time to recover and restart the match. So I guess that's kind of the same idea yeah. here. But it, then um, Suzuki, you know, pushed the ref away, pushed the doctor away and continued to attack yeah, Goto. It seemed like um, at that point he probably could have gone for the gotch and just put him away. But Suzuki seemed like hellbent on just punishing this yeah, dude. Yeah, he wanted to punish Goto and kind of put him in his place and kind of be like, you know, don't you ever challenge me again. Like, I'm going to prove to you that you're not on my level and that you don't deserve to be in the ring with me. And just the hard strikes... Just, really hard strikes. Yeah. The the first part of this match, I didn't dig. I liked the opening, and then once Goto got choked out, I was like, "Oh, this is really good." But after that, because Goto's character was so out of it, there was a lot of stalking and a lot of stalling from Suzuki, which we've seen over the years from him. Which I didn't really dig too much in this match. It took a little while for things to start kicking up, but when it, once it did, they started going back and forth. It was just strong style, and. Um, Man, every time Goto hit Suzuki, it was hard. But every time Suzuki hit him back, you could just see that it was it was so much harder, man. Like the the, the velocity and the sound of the the punches and the slaps and the elbows and the forearm strikes and the headbutts. Yeah, the headbutt. There was a, t- a top rope um, when they were both on the top rope. Suzuki uh, gave Goto a headbutt, and you just heard the crack of the skulls just echo throughout the Tokyo Dome. I wish guys would stop doing. I know that. we saw what happened to Shibata. Like, why do we need to keep doing that spot? It's uh, a work, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I mean, a work. If you showed somebody this match and didn't know anybody, you, you can think this match was almost a shoot. Yeah, they were they were hitting each other really hard. Goto ended up uh, bleeding from the mouth, and he had lumped up on the side of his head. I think the lump on it, on the side of his head was from the from the headbutt, to be yeah. honest. But his his left eye, or maybe it was his right eye, but whichever the, on the opposite side, he got a hematoma there, like he was in a boxing match. It, it just swelled up. He was legit beat up in this match. I mean. It was starting to look pretty gruesome towards the end. And then um, what ended up happening? Like, uh, um, Suzuki, Suzuki kept got, trying to go for the gotch? Yeah, he got the choke on, then he kept trying to go for the gotch. Uh, Goto got out the gotch and then was able to hit a front GTR and then a regular GTR and got the win. Oh, we forgot the, the super... Uh, uh, suit the avalanche uh, uh, Yoshigoroshi off the top rope yeah that was sick yeah so th- that was after the headbutt spot I believe too right um, really really vicious match oh yeah so that was a really important part of the match so they went to the top and they were fighting and they did the head- headbutt spot but eventually um, uh Goto ended up fighting out of it and hitting him with the super avalanche uh, Yushigoroshi. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, Suzuki-gun, who's not supposed to be at ringside at all, they see that essentially Suzuki, for the first time in the whole match, is in real danger. So they start running down, and all the young boys, all the young lions who've been getting abused by Suzuki and Suzuki-gun, they run out, and they're holding them. And, you know, all, all these Suzuki-gun guys are trying to, to run into the ring. And yeah, then, uh, Taichi got to the apron, but then Yoshihashi fellow chaos yeah uh, mate and that was his tag partner in the world tag league he came out stopped uh, Tai Chi from getting in the ring Goto waxed Tai Chi 
Yeah. Then he hits the front GTR and then the actual GTR and got the win. Yeah, so then and then uh, at that point gets the win and the match was very, very good up to this point. And I was like, wow, it was a really good match. Um Suzuki is so out of it and all those all the Suzuki gun goons come in. They're carrying him like through the crowd and he's out of it. And then all of a sudden he starts looking around, he starts coming to and he realizes what's going on. And they had put a chair in the middle of the ring, right? Um, for for him to get his head shaved because that was the deal. And he looks into the ring, he looks at what's going on, and he gets pissed. He like shoves everybody off of him. I mean, this was awesome. Like this was a really dramatic moment. He, he walks up to one of the fans, grabs their chair, rips it from underneath them, walks back to the ring, walks up to Goto like he's gonna hit him with the ring or hit him with the chair. Uh, Don Callis was like, he's gonna hit him with the chair. <laughs> Wax the chair like. Puts his own chair down, sits down, and just starts going to town with the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, he shaved. He shaved a big lump from his head. Uh, Don Callis calling this was awesome. He's like, he looks like a mangy dog, <laughs> and he he looks at Goto, pissed, takes his hair, slams it on the table or slams it on the chair, and just walks away. Really, really cool, like Wrestle Kingdom moment. Yeah, uh, very memorable. What are you? What's your uh, star rating on this one? The first time I watched it, I was super down on it. I don't know why. I didn't think it was as good as it probably was. And then the next morning, I saw a lot of people had a lot of love for it. So then when we watched it Saturday, I paid a little more attention. And I realized that it is very good. Um, Maybe like four stars. Okay. I'm kind of in between four and four and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. It's about four stars. I mean, if someone said it was a little higher and they liked it more, that that's great. Um, some of the slowness in the middle of the match kind of brought it down for me. Yeah, because at first, yeah, we were both down on it when we watched it on Thursday night. And then, we, yeah, we rewatched it Saturday. We were both had a little bit better opinion on of it. Well, Goto uh, was barely in it. I yeah. mean, they really – Suzuki was killing him in that match. And, you know, he came back and won, and it was a feel-good moment. I think I was down, too, because I predicted Suzuki to win. <laughs> right. And he didn't, and Goto <laughs> beat him. Um, but overall, I mean, once we watched it back, I was like, well, this was actually a really good match. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go four stars on that. All right. The next up, we had the uh, well. They have the they have the uh, announcement of all the events for the year. Do you want to cover that now, or I think we can cover that maybe like after this. Okay. I mean, it's you know, just so you guys know, we got news on upcoming shows and really, right. really, really cool. The schedule's you know out now. Yeah. So after this match, they showed a video package announcing um, all the dates up until uh, G one. Uh, finals. So then after that video, they went straight to the uh, Fatal 4-Way for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. You had uh, Will Ospreay, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, and Kushida challenging the villain Marty Skrull. Uh, Marty Skrull came out with an awesome vulture costume that he handmade. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Cody was putting him over on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, that ring attire was just sick yeah some of our fellow uh you know uh social suplex uh members aren't as high on marty scroll as 
maybe like me and the shooter over here, but we really like Marty Scurll. And I got to say, I thought that this entrance was the best entrance and the best entrance attire of the entire night. I mean, when, when those wings came out, I was like, oh, this dude's on a different level right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> dude. It was, it was awesome. Tell them about the uh, the picture that you saw with those girls in the... Uh, oh, yeah. Hotel. So, on, a, on an episode of Being the Elite, um, the, the uh, Marty's girl was just sitting down in the hotel lobby. Like, the Young Bucks were there, too, and Adam Hangman Page. But Marty's girl was sitting there. He had his full, you know, villain, the hat, the mask, and, like, the coat on. And then these girls just, like, walk up and, like, come, they have to, like, take a picture with him. They don't even know, like... They don't know what he is yeah, or what it's he, about. This is guy in this costume that looks cool. And I'm like, oh, we need to get a picture with this guy. Um, another guy had a pretty cool entrance. I mean, you know, Kushida did his thing and Will Ospreay did his thing. But I thought it was pretty cool the way Takahashi yeah, he jumped had, out. He like, had the uh, Rey Mysterio um, 03 smack down entrance yeah. jumping jumping out the stage kind of thing who's that jumping <laughs> out the sky are we mysterio here we go <laughs> oh, oh man. man but um, the funny thing was that uh daryl takahashi was wearing a lucha mask yeah he was wearing a luchador mask which was really cool i i think that was supposed to be like a callback to like ray mysterio how about what if man what if ray came in and was in the junior division for a uh, short period of time dude can you imagine Mysterio <laughs> versus Takahashi? Mysterio Bro. versus Osprey. Mysterio versus Girl. I'd be uh, I'd be so much higher on on Ray versus Takahashi as a matchup than any other matchup there. Dude, what if we can get Ray in the best of the Super Juniors? That would be cool. I feel like maybe that's almost beneath Ray at this point. Yeah. Like, I mean, Ray could come in and be in the, the heavyweight. He thing. could be in the heavyweight picture, but I could also see him and Takahashi having like a special. Junior match. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, how about man? What about Rank Ray versus Kota? <laughs> oh man! I've never thought about Ray being in New Japan until this moment. Like this is this is happening. This is live, guys. Yeah. There's like a little light bulb. Bing. Just, you know he's great friends with Jericho. Well, there was a there was a photo today. Uh, uh, suplex brand. You know the su- team suplex or whatever right. it is. Mm-hmm. They posted a photo of them uh, of Ray Mysterio and. Chris Jericho. Uh, I don't know if they're in Japan together or if this was back in the U.S., but it was pretty cool. And the Young Bucks actually commented on the photo, and they're like, "They're like, we would love to have a dream match against these two guys." And we're in the like the kind of wrestling landscape where that could that happen. could happen. It's yeah. like, whoa! Like, what if we got the Bucks against Y2J and, and Rey Mysterio. Mysterio? Like, holy, yeah, anything could happen. So, Wait. what what were your thoughts on this match? You know, I both viewings. I thought I really enjoyed this match. There was a lot of um, high flying action there. We had the great spot at the beginning where Osprey uh, jumps off the uh, structure thing there onto all three guys. They did the moonsault off the crane. Yeah, uh, and just a lot of there was a lot of you know flipping spots in this match. Well, Marty was like trying to be the smart heel. He let everyone else right. fight. Right, take some powders. He was powdering. He was uh, trying to like pick his spots and uh, break up pinfalls and and jump guys from behind. And there's a couple weird like uh, like unions that happened or like you know what what, what would we call it? Um, 
Alliances. Yeah, there we go. Alliances. I mean, at one point you had the enemies, Skrull and uh, Osprey work together. And Hiromu, it was funny because in the build-up to this match, Takahashi, since he's lost the title of Kushida, he struggled all year to try to get a title shot. Every time he tried to come out to challenge the IWGP Junior Champion, he'd get upended by one of the one of these other challengers, which led to this four-way. And that kind of played into the story of the match. Like, Takahashi couldn't get anything. He couldn't get anything <laughs> going every time he tried to get offense these guys all had him scouted they just kept like it almost felt like when lesnar's in a uh in a three-way like he's been in all these triple threats over the years and they always take him out early and he's like just sleeping on the outside they kind of like in they didn't do a spot like that but like from a psychology standpoint because Kushida's probably like the wildest and the most dangerous they just kept like neutralizing him and putting him out and the rest of the guys had their own match going he didn't get anything going to like the very 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 end end when he just went on a tear hitting everybody with that um, sunset flip bomb Bro, that is so dangerous. <laughs> yeah, Marty's girl hit his head on. Was it, it was Marty, right? It was Marty. Yeah, yeah. Marty. Marty got uh, there wasn't enough space, and he ended up hitting his head on the rail. Yeah. And then uh, Kushida ended up doing it to uh, to Hiromu. Yeah. After Hiromu had hit the other two guys, so right. even then, even when Hiromu started to like get his spots, and he got taken out, and right. then and there was also back to Kushida real quick at the beginning of the match. Uh, he also hit an insane. Flip dive. Yeah, that flip dive to the outside because they actually they got outside of the blue barricade and opened up the gate. Like uh, you know, from a if you're looking at it from the ring post to where those gates are, it's a straight shot. He just dove right over that onto right. those guys, and I was like, man, he's on some uh, some Takahashi crap right, right now. A lot of great um, chicken wing spots from uh, Marty Skrull, Osprey going for the Oz cutter. Uh, Marty Skrull hit him with, with the Oz cutter. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a really cool spot where Will Ospreay ran up one of the guy's chests and did a backflip. You're right. Um, a lot of cool spots. Uh, at one point, Hiromu was on the outside, and um, to neutralize him, Will Ospreay went and ended up taping him. Not, to, it was a. I'm sorry, Skrull. Skrull ended up wrong Brit. <laughs> yeah, Skrull ended up taping Takahashi to the um, to the barricade. That was pretty much it for him at that point, right? He never. Got out of that? No, because um, then another, another point, like Skrull, eventually came back outside because um, Kushida and Osprey broke Skrull's fingers, so Skrull went outside, taped his fingers up, and then he like hit Takahashi again. Yeah, Takahashi was done at that point. That was he was our all of our uh, opinion. We thought he was going to be the winner of the match. They just neutralized him completely. Right. He didn't do. He did hit a couple of his. Uh, what's his finishing the, move? The time bomb. Man, that time bomb. That to me, I think that's the coolest junior like finisher, finisher that's yeah. out there. Because the way he he stops the guy and then just drops him, really yeah. cool. But um, but I think um, this kind of kind of helped build up Takahashi. It showed that he's so dangerous that they had to isolate him in order for one of those other guys to win. Well, last year when he was doing his title run, every match, it was like someone was trying to come up with a new strategy to try to upend him because they couldn't figure him out. And at this point, they're like, we're not even going to try to figure him out. We're just going to gang up on him, tie him up, let's get him out of there because they don't want to deal with Takahashi. He's... He's a beast. <laughs> and then um, you had Marty Skrull get, got the powder, literal powder. Oh, yeah, he, <laughs> he grabbed the powder. He threw it in Kushida's face. Right. Kushida ended up... Uh, Reversing. Yeah, he, he, tried, he tried to roll up Kushida, but Kushida rolled it into his Back to the Future small package driver. Um, but then I believe Osprey broke the pin up. Yeah. Uh, Eventually, Will Osprey ended up hitting... Uh, 
Marty was girl with the, the os cutter. Yeah, and that was it. Uh, they there was one, two, three. You know, good night, Irene. Yeah, and uh, Will Osprey finally pins Marty Skrull, even though it wasn't a one-on-one match. But he finally was able to say that he could pin Marty Skrull. I don't know if he never has. I mean, has he never in any promotion? I feel like well, he has. I, well, I can't say because I don't. I have never watched every single Osprey Skrull match. But yeah. from what they, what the announcers tell us on the story between them. See, I feel like this is some Andre the Giant. <laughs> Andre the Giant's never hasn't been pinned in fifteen years and has well, been body slammed. Well, I mean, crap. if you look back. Like WWE had a thing with like RVD and Jeff Hardy. Like Jeff Hardy was never able to beat RVD in a WWE ring. He couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Every time they wrestled, RVD freaking sun Jeff Hardy. Like. Yeah. So it could be the same situation. But yeah, uh, this match was really fun, really entertaining. There were some things that I wasn't. I didn't think the flow sometimes made a lot of sense. Uh, it slowed down as even with all the like high spots and stuff. I thought it slowed down quite a bit. It these four guys, I thought that they were just capable of doing more. They didn't seem to put on. It wasn't like a like last year when we watched Kushida and Takahashi. Takahashi. I was like, wow, incredible match. And I know that's really high marks to compare it to, but all these guys, all four of these guys have been on fire all year long. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to a one-on-one match versus a multi-man match. Sometimes a one-on-one match is just a better way to go. I think they try to work. Like, you you said it yourself. You thought that they're trying too hard. I think a better way to say that is, like, I think they try to work too smart. Yeah. They were, like, trying to put something memorable together with, like, some psychology, which, hey, I'm all about storytelling. I'm all about psychology. But when you got four guys that can just go like that, just give us, Let the, them go, yeah. give us the spot fest, man. Like... You know what I'm saying? Like, really, really, really go. And there was a lot of, like, downtime and a lot of, like... There was a lot of botches, too. Yeah. Because they were working. Cause tra- they were, yeah. Because yeah, they got tired and they were trying to do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, there was a spot where, like... Um Takahashi was supposed to catch somebody in the time bomb, but then slipped, and it looked like he. Just I don't had, think he messed up. I thought it was Will Osprey. Yeah, yeah, Osprey came into it weird, and it got he got dropped weird. But he ended up like tombstoning him pretty much. Um, it looked like he was going to, and they pancaked him. It yeah. was kind of weird, but yeah. um, overall, I was a little. I was. It's, hey guys, don't get me wrong. This is not a bad match. I'm not saying that it just wasn't blow away. I think I'm like three and a half on that. Really, I'm at I'm at four stars for that. Hey, I've seen people that thought this was the second best match of the whole night. So it depends on your cup of tea. I'm all about juniors. I love them, but I just didn't think that this was like a like I wouldn't if I was trying to show someone like junior wrestling. I'm not going to show them this match. Right. To be honest. I mean, I want to show them this match either, but I still thought you know all guys worked really hard. Would you say you were four stars? I was no nowhere near nah man because if what else did you rate four stars? Uh, I have to go back. I think I, op- I gave the no, I give the opening tag match like four and a quarter. Yeah, I don't think I gave anything just a flat four yet. The only thing that was four, no, you did. I think you gave uh, Goto like four and a quarter. Or- yeah, I gave Goto four and a quarter. I gave the tag match three point seven five. Which tag match? The heavyweight tag match. So, did you think that this was better than the heavyweight tag match? Um. Yes. Okay. I mean, your ratings, your rings. I just want to yeah. like get a point of like uh, consistency. Consistency. No. Not, <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? That was something I was like, man. In this match, I would like to see more consistency, which we didn't see. That's it was like the high spots were really high, and then there was like some boring spots. So it just kind of felt disconjointed a bit. Uh, I think. I think I could go three and three quarters on it, but I'm really not that high. I was like three and a half, honestly. Right. I think I did like the tag match better. 
a little bit better, even though they didn't work. I thought it, it would just was a better story overall. Yeah. Plus, like, I don't know, man. Takahashi didn't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Wrestle Kingdom. You got Takahashi just selling the whole time and laying on the ground. Like, I don't know. I think it's just one of those situations where, you know what? You can't get everybody on the card. A one-on-one title match is a better. This just this match should have been better than what it was. Right. With, with that level of guys, with the build that they, they did all year. This should have been maybe the best match on the card. It should have been like the show stealer, and it wasn't. That was my disappointment. It was a good match, but it wasn't the show stealer or anything of that nature. Right. Plus, like, I guess it was cool that Will Ospreay beat uh, Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull, but I, and you know, I think obviously going forward, because we talked about this, that we're probably going to see Kushida, or I'm sorry, uh, Hiromu and Will Ospreay because they've kind of been building towards that program. I just kind of thought it would be Osprey. I don't like Osprey's champion in New Japan too much. I just feel like as the babyface, there's he's better at chasing and never right. really winning. Right. So yeah, it's cool to give him the win, but I felt like it would be bigger. It would be a bigger deal to have him beat Marty Skrull in a one on one one on one when it matters. I guess they they're still saving that. That's match. still that story. Like Marty can be like, man, you beat me in a four way. You did not you never beat, beat me one on one, and then that could be the whole big thing. Like, it can Osprey really beat Skrull? Hey, guys, if you're listening, hit us up. Tell us what you thought about that match. If you agree with Jeremy, you thought it was really great, let us know. If if you're like me and you, you thought it was good, but just not, you know, up to snuff or not up to par, then, you know, hit yeah. us up. Hit us up on Twitter, at KI Strong Style. All right, now we're going on to the final three matches. I think they had that match on the Access show, too. The four-way? I think it—I was reading— Yeah, the, I think I heard that the Access started with the Coda match. Did it, really? I think so. Oh, yeah, so that's another thing, guys. We haven't actually watched the Access show yet. I think maybe we'll watch it. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. We watched two two viewings of Wrestle yeah. Kingdom. I do want to hear what JR and uh, Barnett said. I, I haven't heard great things yet. To be honest, like I have, like, like obviously Don Callis and Kevin Kelly are on oh, fire right killed now. Killed it, killed it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the final three matches: the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match. The champion, the Ace Hiroshi Tanahashi, defended against Switchblade Jay White, and you know they gave Jay White a super push going into this match. And I have to say, you know, I was hoping to see maybe a more higher quality match, but, you know, we just got kind of a, it's like a kind of okay, good match. I mean, Jay White did not perform in a, to a big match level. Um, yeah. Like, uh, you would expect a Tanahashi match to be, you know, a lot better than this on a Wrestle Kingdom show. You would. Um, but we got to keep in mind too. He's coming off an injury, right? Like Which, a fresh injury too. And I think I made that point when we were watching. They probably booked him in, in this match just because you know he's so beat up. Like give him a little bit of a easier matchup. Yeah. So I mean, like at this point, I love Tanahashi. He's maybe one of the only wrestlers I actually would mark out to meet in real life. Like, if I if I ever meet, and I have, I, I meet wrestlers in real life from time to time, and I really don't mark too much because I just don't want to be that guy, you know, the regular people, but dude, if I ever saw the ace, I'd be like, oh my god! Well, You're Tanahashi! We're gonna see the ace Wrestlemania weekend. Yeah, obviously, I'm gonna be freaking marking out. Like, Hopefully there's a meet and greet. Hopefully <laughs> he's doing it. No, he is doing, uh, he's doing a meet and greet at, uh, at WrestleCon. Oh, 
Yeah. All right. So, but with that being said, um, Tanahashi's coming off of I, I'm not ex- I don't expect the kind of quality or caliber of matches that we've seen in the past. I mean, yeah, it, he's starting to cool down. Yeah, I mean that's. He's had a really long career. He's had a lot of injuries. The fact that he is performing at the level that he still is with with his body beaten down. And it's not just a beat down over the years. It's like he's currently injured. Right. I mean, he's injured right now. He's been having back issues, the torn bicep. He didn't get surgery on it, so it's never going to be 100%. His knee. He had the knee injury. His neck. Yeah, I mean. Everything. Like, he's beat down. He's beat down, but yet he was still hitting high fly flow to the outside. Ooh, yeah. I was scared when he did that. uh, But uh, Jay White did a great job catching him on that spot. So Tanahashi, all he had to do was hit it, and he rolled out so easily from it. I saw a lot of people that were like, well, you know, this... And I think we expected this match to be really great, too, um, just because we're like, hey, we're going to put faith in New Japan. I saw a lot of people on, like, Reddit and, you know, different pages, like, super, super down on this match. By no means was this a bad match. Right. I don't. I, there was no bad matches right. on this card. I mean, I gave this match, uh, I, I would rate this match three stars, which... Three stars. That's a still. That's still a pretty good match. It was like three and a quarter for me. Yeah. Um, there were some problems I had with it. Like Tanahashi was clearly injured, and they'd been building up that his knee was injured. And you know, obviously, in the beginning of the match, you started to see uh, Jay White go after the knee, but then he stopped, and Tanahashi kind of stopped selling it. So it kind of became a non-issue when it should have been maybe the focal point of the whole. <laughs> When we started watching the match, like you were like, "Oh, this is gonna be a body part match." Right. We were like, "Man, Rich is gonna freaking hate this match." <laughs> but um, instead, we started seeing Tanahashi attack Jay White's legs. And hey, what did I say on the last podcast? You don't, you never hook with a hooker. And you don't screw a dragon. Don't dragon screw the dragon screwer. And he just started doing the drag. He he. It was just like the uh, the matches he's had with Okada and Nakamura. He dragon screwed the crap out of that man's legs. Um, I thought this match told a very good story that you got Jay White who's like this prodigy and he's now got a darker edge and he's very like ambitious and hungry but almost to a fault like he's trying to take on too much at one time and he couldn't overcome Tanahashi in the dome like that's a huge order and he got beat clean in this match I mean it was pretty pretty much showing like yes he's back from excursion but he's still almost like a young lion almost he's still unseasoned right and Tanahashi's the ace and he couldn't overcome the experience of Tanahashi like at all he didn't have the game plan or the he had it's like he has all the physical traits right now to to be a super talent but not the experience or the the game plan which were things I overlooked when I predicted that Jay White would win this um, you know I just was just so concerned about Tanahashi's health and thought that maybe they wanted to get the belt off and try to make a new star here but you know listening back and you were completely right you know well actually no you vote you picked no the, I picked I picked Jay White but if you listen to that podcast I'm talking myself out of picking Jay White the whole right, time because yeah. logically it doesn't make sense, sense right except for the one thing and the reason I picked Jay White was because the injuries and I was like well I don't see Tanahashi going with the belt for much right. longer. I, I would think, yeah, I was thinking, you know, they're going to dump the belt on Jay White, let Tanahashi rest, and have him come back. But, but. I was really split on that, because I was like, there's, you know, it's Tanahashi in the Dome. He's not going to lose in the Dome three years in a row. Right. Especially to, to a, a guy to a like guy. Jay White. Yeah. yeah. We were, ho- I did, and I will say, the one disappointment, I was hoping that this would be something where it's like, 
dude that like the same way that went after Takahashi won last year where it was like this is a star making performance right. I was hoping that it would be something where it's like man they re- they made Jay White but it wasn't that although a lot of people I saw them there being like oh man he got buried I don't think he got buried I don't think he got buried and I'm not down him there's still plenty of time for Jay White to develop into a star. It's New Japan. They don't when a guy when a young guy loses to an established star, that's almost to be expected. Right. And it's not a burial. Like it's not like on Monday Night Raw where a guy loses and he's done and he's gone he goes down in the rankings like it's just like, "Hey, here's your position. You didn't beat a top guy, but you got a you got a shot." And it, it builds into the storyline and we're, we'll talk more about what's going on with Jay White, but I yeah. think they still have plans in place for him this his push is not over by any right, means right and this is almost uh similar to kind of like when okada came back from excursion like his first matches back weren't that great no people forget about that they they think that okada came in they remember the tanahashi feud where he was just this genius like prodigy that nobody recognized but they don't remember that what set that up was the fact that he was having lackluster matches and and didn't look great and so it was almost like like what are they doing putting him in the, in the ring with Tanahashi you know right. it was like ridiculous at the time and look how that played out they, these are master bookers um I thought that it was really oh one part I liked in the match was when Tanahashi hit him with the high five flow while he was bent over like hit him uh, while hit him hit him in the back with it right that was really cool um yeah I thought this match could have been better uh he did uh, Tanahashi kicked out of the Kiwi what's it Kiwi called? Crusher. The Kiwi Crusher, yeah. It was a good match. I mean yeah. it was. Yeah. And so, you know, Tanahashi wins. Uh, he came out with the ex- uh, the hair, hair extensions. extensions. They have the old look. I wish he would have come out to high energy, though. Yeah, that would have been great. And so, yeah, so at that point, um, you know, that leaves us with solid match going forward. Tanahashi's still the champion. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, the, 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 the rule book is still out on Jay White, where he's where he goes from here. But very good match. Uh, I, I did think people were slightly disappointed. I It was what it was. It was a very good match. So, I mean. Right. And then next up, we had the IWGP United States Championship match. No disqualification. Dream match. <laughs> uh, no DQ. No DQ. The U.S. champion, the cleaner, Kenny Omega, defending against the Alpha, Chris Jericho. Let's talk about those entrances, man. Yes. Um, Jericho, he's coming out to the Judas uh, Folly song. He has a new light-up jacket. Yeah, that new jacket was hard, bro. Yeah. That new jacket, even though a section of it didn't light up, just like it always doesn't. <laughs> right. And he's talked about that on the podcast. Those lights are so sensitive. There are wires that get tripped up, and it was still it was, it was so still cool. awesome. He came out. He had the scarf on. Um, I actually read this this report where uh, they're like, "Why does he wear the scarf?" And he was saying that the idea came from Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon hates scarves. Yeah. And he thinks that like the the, the most heelish thing a guy could ever do is just wear a scarf. Right. <laughs> I mean, Vince even said to Jericho, like, you have an infeminine walk. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so he came out. uh, Jericho, like, on the low has been growing his hair back out. 
and I don't like no one's really talking about it. Right. But he's looking like 2004 Chris Jericho. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got his hair and like he had a alpha on the back of his trunks. Yeah. Which, the, the new gear he had was really cool. We I, man, I was hoping he'd come out with tights on. Yeah. Bring back the tights. He didn't. I was hoping for like because Jer- guys, like I said before, Jericho is turning into Terry Funk in Japan right now. <laughs> and when when Terry Funk got to the later stages of his career, he traded out the trunks for the tights. And I was like, man, Jericho, please bring back tights. Like, please. Like, yeah. But he didn't. But his his gear was hard. Uh, his entrance was really awesome. And then uh, Kenny Omega, he came out dressed like a character from a Destiny, Destiny video game, which we were, know hey, nothing about. We're, we're marks and we're geeks, but we're not that type of marking geek. I'm sure some <laughs> of you guys play Destiny. I've, I tried to get into it one time, but I don't have a PS3 or PS4 anymore, so... Uh, but yeah, I guess that's a character or like a callback to, to that game. Yeah. I saw people on Reddit freaking out about yeah, it. Though. We all know that Kenny's a video game nerd. He's been on Xavier Woods up, up, down, down several times, and they've had a video game rivalry going for a couple of years now. Um, I, I thought his gear was pretty awesome, though, even though I didn't understand the reference. Like right. he came out with that gun, he came out with the big helmet. Like it was, it was pretty cool. It was like on par with his uh, gear last year when he came out like the Terminator. Yeah, uh, his kick pads were freaking awesome. awesome. Yeah, dude, his, his, his whole gear. Yeah, his, his tights were very well done. Um, came out with the Young Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks came out with him, and then you know before the match even started, Jericho just started like. Like hitting him, pummeling him. The the uh, all the young boys had to get in the ring and, and, and separate the young bucks and separate them. Yeah, then Kenny sent the young bucks to the back. Yeah, yeah. So big match. Kenny's like, hey, I got this. You guys go to the back, and then they started the match. Let's talk about the match, Jeremy. Like, give us the rundown. All right, this match was insane. <laughs> all right, like this is one of the best brawls that I've ever seen. Yeah, they um. Like in the just from the get go, from the very start, it was like all Jericho. Yeah. Like Jericho just like went to town with like just punches and kicks. Well, I mean, the big downfall was um, Omega went for that jumping dive. When? Uh, it was towards the beginning. Wasn't it towards the beginning of the match? Or that later on when he dived and fell through the table? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, okay, yeah. So before that, though, they just started off with like strikes <laughs> and they went to the outside and, um, yeah, they, they they were brawling on the outside, and then you're right. Like they Ken, went, they got onto the outside of the gate, and then Kenny went for the dive. Kenny and went for the dive and went straight through the uh, English the announce, announce table. table. Yeah, hit into Don Callis. Oh yeah, Don caught him. Don was great. <laughs> Don was laid out, and, and then Jericho started beating the crap out of the young boys. He um, chair shots. Yeah, he put uh, he knocked down. Um, Umino right in front of Red Shoes. He's like, oh yeah, he he dropped. Red, he pushed Red Shoes down, and then he dropped Umino. It's like, this is your son. He he put him in the uh, he put him in the freaking lion uh, the tamer. lion tamer. Jericho was on fire this night. In between every move, there was a lot of like you would think that this match was going to be like when when we say it was a great brawl, it was, but it wasn't like. It wasn't like Matt Hardy versus Edge where they're just like like clawing and scraping and going a million miles an hour. This is a really smart match. There's a lot of downtime and in between those spots, Jericho's character work was just amazing. Yeah. Flipping Looking off, off the, the crowd. crowd. Yeah. And the little statements that he was making. Making fun of how they say Kenny. Kenny. Oh yeah, he's like Kenny. Yeah, he's like Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> So then, um, and then when they were on the outside, uh, Don Callis and 
Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly were like, we can't see anything. Like, I don't know if we're on, if if you guys can hear us. Yeah. If we're even uh, Don Cass wants to stand on a chair so you can try and see. And Kevin Kelly was like, I don't feel comfortable with you standing on the chair like that. He's like, don't break your neck, Don. He's like, I can't see anything. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. He was like, we're in the Winnipeg Dome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, so Jericho was just taking it to Kenny, just beating the crap of, out of him, this hitting like him with chair uh, shots. seventy thirty with Jericho taking the majority of this match. In the, in the very, very beginning, it was, like, pretty even. After the table spot, it was all Jericho. Uh, and then Jericho, at one point, started uh, throwing the chairs into the ring. Yeah, ECW st- uh, style. Yeah, remember, he was like, I've got war style, I've got ECW style, I've got New Japan style, I've got Mexico style. So he's like, I, Kenny, you've got great New Japan style, but I've got all the styles. Right. And he started going hardcore on him, started throwing the, the chairs into the ring. Then he started smashing Kenny's head into the chair in the corner. Yeah, he set it up in between the ropes, and those shots, I thought he was trying to bust them open hard way, because he was just... And Kenny, too. Kenny's a madman. Kenny was just diving with him, like, get, putting head all the force first, in the world. Yeah. I mean, that dude's gonna have a concussion. Like, I'm surprised if he wasn't concussed after that match, right. how hard he was getting hit. And then eventually he uh, bladed, got some juice. Yeah, he bladed, and it, you know, he, he was bleeding everywhere. Jericho, oh yeah, they kept... Jericho kept putting him in... Uh, uh, the freaking Walls of Jericho Walls of Jericho I think got him like Three times in that match Right In the it. very first one You know he tried He went to the ropes But Jericho refused to break He's like there's no rope break No DQ right. No DQ um, I think the turning point in that match, though, was the second time that he had him in it after he busted open Kenny and he it looked like, man, this could be it for Kenny and there's no rope breaks. Kenny p- clawed and pulled himself over to the corner and started reaching under and got the cold spray. Yeah, he got the cold spray and he sprayed Jericho in the eyes and then he sprayed himself with it. And then Jericho was blinded at that point. Jericho's just crying out. He's like, I can't see. I can't see. But he did push Red Shoes into Kenny. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I can't see. I can't see. And they pushed him into Kenny and then. What he, he asked for a towel from the young boys. Did he hit Kenny after that? Like he, he, I think he ran up and he either clawed Kenny in the face or hit him or something like that. Yeah, but he then he went he grabbed a towel. Yeah, so after he beat up all those young boys, he's begging them to give him a towel. He's like, he's like, please give me a towel. I can't see. I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> give me a towel. Oh yeah, and then uh, Kenny after like blading, he took the water bottle and like wiped the blood off of his face, which I thought was really smart. Right. Because you always see these guys get like cut open in a match but then they just bleed everywhere and it's like if you were in a real fight and you had an opportunity to wipe the blood out of your eyes you would you would right so i was like man that's really really smart and then uh kenny hit i think we had a count of eight v triggers yeah he hit him with like eight v triggers during that match it was nuts and actually some of them like we couldn't even tell if they were or weren't could have been a higher count actually right it could have been like 10 v triggers but they were for 100 percent sure there was at least Eight solid V triggers straight to the face. There was a controversy in this match, uh, Jeremy. We should talk about it. But, uh, your opinion and my opinion. So, two things that happened in this match. One, there was a near. Ca- it's a no DQ match in Japan, and there was almost a count out. Mm-hmm. And there was almost, and then there was also rope breaks during a pinfall, and possibly during one of the walls of Jericho. What were your thoughts on that? All right. So on the count out, I. I wasn't 100% completely upset about the countout just because they said no DQ. They never said no countout, which, I mean, no DQ matches are better if there if there isn't any countout, but they didn't say no countout, and they were able to play it in as part of the match. So I let them slide on the no countout. 
I was not happy with the rope break with, from the one a, one wing angel pinfall because the rope break wasn't breaking the submission. So why would it break the pin? Right. And so I guess my two thoughts on that were this was like I we're used to, I guess, generally, if it's an ODQ match, not seeing any uh, count outs. You know, there's no count out if it's an ODQ. I mean, how can you get disqualified? But um, I remember back in like in Memphis in the 80s, specifically a match that comes to mind is Jerry Lawler versus uh, um, Terry Funk. And from 1981, it's a great match. Actually, I think uh, Cornette has it at five stars. <laughs> it's actually really good. I'm not going to lie. And that match ends in uh, a count out. Um, and I remember watching it the first time and thinking like, what the heck? But then I started thinking about it and I was like, well, you know, it's no DQ. It's not false count anywhere. Right. Or, you know, I guess hypothetically you could have no D like no disqualifications while the fight is in the ring, but still be counted out because the fight's right. supposed to stay in the ring. And something we mentioned too, like New Japan uses the count out. It's almost like a, like a knockout outside the ring. Like your opponent's so beat up. He can't get back in the ring. Correct. If you really think about what a count out should be like from like, let's say a boxing standpoint, if someone gets knocked out of the ring, they have either, I can't remember if it's a 10 or 20 count, but you have uh, a certain amount of time you have to get back in the ring to resume the fight. And if you don't, then it's technically a knockout and you either quit or you were so incapacitated you couldn't continue. That's how a a count out should hypothetically be used in pro wrestling. Um, In the 80s, they used to use count outs very well, I might add, all the time. A lot of like modern fans don't enjoy it as much because I'm an 80s mark. I see it all the time and it doesn't bother me if it makes sense and it's done the right way. But um, in this context, I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world. It confused me at first. You know, I was like, why are they counting them out? It's no DQ. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, it adds drama to the match. And they didn't say it was no count out. So now with the rope breaks, in their defense, I will say this. Red Shoes tried to break them up. He did, yeah. Every single time that they were in the ropes. But he wasn't able to... He can't force them to break because there's no disqualification. And he also can't... Well, he can't force them to break. He also can't disqualify them for continuing to hold on to the move even past the point where it should be broken. So, to me, that would indicate if he's trying to break it up that there are rope breaks. Right. Then later on after... So, Kenny eventually hits the one-winged angel on Jericho and Jericho reaches out, grabs the bottom rope just like... Okada did and it breaks the count at that point it falls within the discretion of the referee to either allow for that to be a three count he can't disqualify him for it but he can't he doesn't have to award the decision to him either that's true so that's where I was like well that's actually kind of smart if you think of it in those terms I know some some US fans didn't like it Um, I think the really questionable part was the third time that Kenny was in the walls of Jericho and he got to the ropes. Right. Which on that one, I don't think it was necessarily a rope break. I think Jericho is so tired, he just couldn't hold on. Yeah, that's what that's the way I saw. A lot of people, I think, just assumed that it was a rope break because he got to the ropes like, oh, you know, I mean, maybe that would have made more sense if Jericho had just even before he got there, Jericho had just collapsed because it wouldn't cause much confusion, whatever. But. You know, it wasn't like Red Shoes came over and, and pulled, pulled him. him. Right. He just Jer- fell over. Right. He was tired. I mean, it's kind of hard to hold on submission when you have a guy that's dragging himself somewhere. So. Yeah. And at that point, it was like at the tail end of the match where, like, they were completely physically exhausted and spent. Right. Um, um, Kenny 
ate a code breaker at one point and sold it so good. He takes the code breaker awesome. I love how some guys in Japan sell certain moves that you see in America but are sold so differently. Like I remember um, the first time I saw the GTS in Japan and the way guys take the GTS like in America is they get hit and they bump backwards. <laughs> but I remember like I saw someone take the GTS from uh, Kenta in Noah and they would get hit in the face and then slump forward like they were dead. Right. And you don't really see that in America. And I was like, that's how that move should, should be sold. sold. Yeah. And kind of like the same thing here. Most of the time when guys take the code breaker, Jericho falls back. They lean forward and then bump backwards like, they, like, like they're the rock getting hit with the, the stone, stone cold, cold stunner. stunner. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense. The way that uh, Kenny takes it, he sprawls his body. He's like, if you're an MMA fighter, he sprawls and takes it like face first and just slumps over. Like he just died, which is freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, Jericho got busted open in the mouth from all those V triggers. Like his mouth was like literally bleeding. And then talk about the awesome spot when uh, he was trying to go up to the top rope uh, with the table. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Jericho was trying to, I believe he was trying to superplex Kenny outside onto the table. Oh, right? yeah. that. Well, no, no. I think he was just, he went up with a chair. Right. Oh, yeah. He went up to the chair. He was going to jump off the top rope of the chair to hit Kenny. But then um, Kenny ran up and like V-triggered him. Yep. And then he. And uh, he was leaning and then he ran up again, hit him with the second V-trigger. V-trigger and he like flew off. He tried to hold on and then he couldn't and he flew off into the Japanese table that they set up at the beginning of the match. And that w- that spot was awesome. The table actually broke for once, which was really cool. Right. Uh, Jericho's leg got like cut, cut open from yeah. it. He just started bleeding from there. And then he came back in, and I don't know. The tides turned, and at one point Jericho got a near fall. Uh, he didn't get it. he didn't get it. And then he tried to like at the very very end of the match, he tried to go for a lion salt. And while he was trying to go for he the, put the line, chair, he put the chair on Kenny. That's right. He put the chair on Kenny. And went for the line salt. And then Kenny got stood, up, stood and, up and like hit him with the chair in the back. And he was stayed on the rope in perfect position for Kenny to get him up for the one wing angel. And it was like Jericho, his facial expression was like he didn't expect this at all. And then it was like he got hit with the chair and he held on. And it was like he was he thought he was doing something smart. Yeah. And he didn't expect the one wing angel to come. And then when he realized, he was like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. Kenny was able to move the chair with his foot and in right position and boom, drilled him with the one wing angel on the, right chair on the chair and got the big victory. One, two, three. And then it was over. And uh, it was a freaking war. That match went with like 25 minutes. No, it went longer than that. And that was the funny thing. It was like. How long was that match? 34 minutes and 36 seconds. It did not feel like it. No, it felt like a 15-minute match. It was. It felt so quick. I mean, I was deeply engaged the whole time, and I liked it a lot the first time, but on the second rewatch, I liked it even more. Same here. What would you rate that one? Okay. I will say this was the best match of the night. This is probably a match of the year contender uh, with the hype, the storyline, everything. For me, and this is just me personally, and I've struggled with this a lot, I'm four and three quarters on this. Um, I was near five stars, and if someone says it's five stars, you're probably right. I'm not going to argue with you on it. For me, there's got to be this like next level moment almost to really take it into that upper echelon to say like this is the best match of the year. It For me... 
Everything was smart. Everything was worked well. I love this match, but it never got to that. It, and it was special. Don't get me wrong, but it never got to that level where it was like this is like Cena Punk at like Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. It didn't and get to that level I, for me. And I'm in agreement with you here. I also rated at four point seven five. And uh, you know something that Meltzer always says is like if you have to ask yourself if it's four point seven five or five, it's probably four point seven five. Right. And because Rich, Rich was watching with us the second time, and Rich. Uh, gave it five stars. Rich was sold on it immediately. Yeah. He's like, that's five, five stars. stars. And I had to think about it. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, is it five, 4.75? I'm like, I'm thinking about it. So it's I'm leaning towards 4.75. But like you said, literally, it's a quarter difference. Like, it's a matter of opinion, what you like. It might be Jericho's best match ever. Yeah. And if it's not, it's some of the best work that he's done in a match ever, like, from character work. I mean, Jericho in, in New Japan is awesome. The, the beating up the young boys, flicking off the... Oh, yeah, he was flicking off the crowd, making fun of the way they taunt for Kenny. Yeah. And then he was so dejected after that loss, the way he just looked just so defeated. And uh, they're trying to carry him out, and he was, like, letting them, and he pushed the young boys <laughs> yeah. off of him. Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Really great match. Really great. And All that right. takes us to the second main event. Right. I loved how, like, during the buildup for the promos, they're like, dream match, Kenny versus uh, <laughs> Jericho. And then for the next match, the second main event. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the, oh, yeah. It's, it's, the, uh, the other match. Right. It was the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship match with the champion, Kazuska Okada, defending against Tetsuya Naito, the G1 Climax 27 winner. And uh, Kata came out here with these crazy pants. Whoa. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like, I, I just wish that this that those pants never happened. It um, it pisses me off so bad. Like, I'm, like, almost at a loss for words for how, how much I dislike those pants. Yeah, Rich uh, says, like, he went to his jacket maker and was like... Jack Maker was like, oh, I made you something for the dome, but you can't see it until you get there. No, he's like, hey, I made you something special. Don't show it to anybody. Right. <laughs> he's like, this is just for debut it at the dome. Don't show it to anybody. It's something special I made just for you. Yeah. And what a mistake, man. Yeah, those are some like Disco Inferno cut style, Fandango style, and just... And I, you know what? We are torn on this. I think this is one of those divisive things in the wrestling community because there are some people that love, love these yeah. pants. Yeah. And I freaking hate these pants. You know, if, if it was like, I like the cut that of of the uh, the tights that Kenny wore like last year where they were kind of baggy. Yeah. And they were like tights, but they're in the boots. Those are cool. But these were like the same kind of cut that like Marafuji wears or like, I think maybe this was supposed to be a callback to like um, Hashimoto's uh, gear. Oh yeah. Hashimoto has, has like the same cut, but Hashimoto's like a big fat like brawler. <laughs> yeah. And it looks good on him and it kind of makes sense, but the, on Okada, man, these look like bell bottoms. They yeah. they look like the straight seventies. I hate them. I hate them, <laughs> guys. I hate them. You don't understand. It literally brought down the match. It brought down Okada as a character for me. If he, I'm not trying to shoot, but if he had worn these last year, I don't know if I would have voted him as wrestler of the year. Like I would have. It brings him down in my eyes. Like I freaking hate these pants. Okada, please. You're one of my favorite wrestlers. For the love of God. Please go back to your freaking tights or for, to your trunks. Yeah, please. please. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, came back with the bl- all completely blonde hair, 
And then uh, Naito, you know, he was over huge on his entrance. Um, you know, the fans were really behind Naito here. And they that mask. Really, yeah. They really wanted Naito to win this matchup. Yo, he came out flexing, bro. He had the cape on. He had the white, you know, the, the freaking white suit, the mask, that weird mask that he had. I mean, Naito came out there flexing on the yeah. boys. And so... What was your overall thoughts on this match, Josh? Okay. I thought it was a great match. Um, it started off kind of slow. Um, I mean, it was it, it, it was good. You know, they, they, they got the regular spots that I've seen them get in, you know, in their matches. Uh, you know, there was definitely a lot of, like, he, it sounded like the crowd... As, as hot as they were for Naito, there was definitely a split in the audience because you could hear Okada and Naito like uh, call outs the whole time and they were marking for, for every big thing that both guys were doing. Um, I think the big tale here was it was, a, it was a struggle between Naito going for like neck breaker and neck assault type moves all throughout the fight so that he could set up the Destino versus Okada setting up two things, uh, his drop kicks which are like one of his main offensive arsenal weapons, and um, the rainmaker. Well, no, well the cobra clutch. The, the cobra clutch. Yeah, he kept trying to, to to hit him with the cobra, or they should call it. Hey, what was your name that you debuted for this? Uh, what was the million yen dream? Yeah, the million yen dream. I don't know if a million yen is anywhere like near a million dollars. I don't know. It's called billion yen. There. Yeah, the, the billion <laughs> yen, yen dream. dream. That's what it should be. Yes. Did you tweet uh, New Japan? I about did. That? I did, but I said million, so I'm gonna have to tweet oh, it again. And say yeah, it. retweet it and say it's the billion <laughs> yen dream. Oh my god, that's awesome. But um, that seemed to be like the big tail here and um, I mean what were your thoughts of the match you know I thought it was very good I did feel there were there were some points where they were trying too hard like they were trying to get a six star match um, but you know it was still very good they told a great story uh, throughout the match you know trying to set up the Destino and the, the clutch um, you know I was very surprised but at the same time not surprised that Naito lost I mean your explanation made 100% complete sense as to why Okada should have won and why he did win uh, I mean I don't know if Okada should have won right. I just that's what I based on my experience with being a fan of New Japan and their booking and where, what I think that they have in store for both these guys, that's what seemed to be the direction they're going to go in. Right. And I mean, it was just so kind of sad seeing the mistake at the end. Naito hits the Destino, and he's going for a second Destino, and I'm up on my feet. I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna be, I'm gonna be right. Naito's gonna win. Yes. And then Okada reverses it into the jumping, spinning tombstone, hits a rainmaker, and it was a ball game. Well, he he hit him with that first uh, rainmaker in the middle of the match. As soon as he hit that, because a lot of times in these big matches, New Japan doesn't always fall into this, but lately over the last couple years, they have fallen into that whole, it's Wrestle Kingdom, so it's similar to like WrestleMania where guys are getting hit with multiple finishers now. They didn't always used to do that, but now it's starting to kind of become the trend. Right. And, and sometimes in these matches, when one guy hits the first finisher, you can almost say that that's the end of the match. Even if they don't get the pinfall, it's like, well, they went up one to nothing on the finisher scale. They're going to hit the next one. You know, it's going to go back and forth. And then eventually they're going to put the other guy away if it happens that way. And that's that's how it happened here. He hit him with that first Rainmaker. And I was like, oh, he's going to win the match now. 
<laughs> because there's no way he's not going to keep hitting him with Rainmaker. So, yeah, he hit him with that first one. Um, and then he got hit with the Destino. And then he kicked out. He ended up coming back, hitting him with, like, a, a second Rainmaker. And he kicked out of that. And then they both uh, actually freaking um, – Naito hit him with three, three, dest- destinos. three destinos. So yeah. he actually went ahead of him. Right. And he tried to, instead of trying to capitalize, I thought with the third destino, it was going to pin him. Yeah. Was, he was going to pin him. It was going to be game time. But he, he was like, no, he tried to he, he tried to do the same thing that like Tanahashi and Okada have done in the past where like they try to hit him with multiple finishers in right. the same sequence. I will say this. The match overall was very good. I thought the first like... I'm not down on it for being slow because big mat. It's that that heavyweight um, main event style. It has to kind of start with with a slow build. I mean that's New Japan, right? But the it, nothing was super compelling until the the last third of the match, like the last ten minutes. The last ten minutes are incredible. Right. They're they're amazing, and all Okada matches are like that. Nobody puts finishing sequences together in a match as well. I don't know if. I don't know if he has like Gato or someone like that uh, help him book max it out. Yeah, I don't know if he has an agent helping him, but year after year after year, it's been three or four years now. Nobody can put together hot finishing sequences to end matches the way that Okada does in his matches. It's one of the things that makes him truly amazing. But that finishing sequence was awesome. And then once he uh, hit him with the tombstone and hit him with that final rainmaker, that's oh man, you looked so dejected. And I stood up and I was like, <laughs> yes, I knew it. Because you know, honestly, I just felt like. It, it, it was Naito's time. Like, Naito was red hot. Like, I felt like it was his time to put the belt. But the more I think about it, and the more like, I listen back to what you were saying, and the more I think about it, like, it makes perfect sense to keep it on Okada. Business is as hot as it ever is right now. Mm-hmm. Naito was more over losing. Uh, and it looks like Naito, the story was Naito just made a mistake. Right. Naito seemed like the whole match that he was on the same level as Okada. And to a certain degree, he just didn't outthink him. Right. And a point you made on the preview show is like Naito is caught up now in being. He cares too much. He cares about the fans. Because the whole thing was like Naito was tranquilo, didn't care about anything. But now that, the fan, now that he's over, he cares that he's over with the fans. And, you know, he played to the fans a little bit. And, like, that second Destino, like, he did, like, a little arm raise to the fans before he went for it. There, There's something that, that's funny that you say that. So when you watch a product like WWE, you see fans do kind of what we're doing. They try to read into the storylines. And with them, it's very open. Like, you, you, you don't want to try to interject your own thoughts and opinions on the storyline because – it's so simplistic. It's like, hey, what they want you to know is what's presented in front of you. There's no nuance. There's no like shades of uh, I don't even know what the word is, but there there's no subtle no, su- there's no, no like, subtleness yeah. to what they're doing. It's all very obvious and right there out in the open. With New Japan, because so much of the story is told in the ring, there's tons of subtleness. I mean, it is so nuanced sometimes these storylines, and yeah, they they let you know what you want to know with the promos and and the builds, but there's so much like little subtle stuff that's like very complex when it comes to New Japan and if you notice because I I mentioned that in the last time I was like hey he's not throwing the belt anymore he's starting to play to the crowd he's caring a lot about this stuff once um once he started breaking out his moveset from when he was the stardust genius it's like there's is he ungovernable or is he the stardust Stardust genius? genius yeah who is this guy because all of a sudden it's like his his Los Ingrenables, um persona got him here, and it's like he should have 
gone with what got him to the dance, but it's like he tried to revert back to time and start pulling out the Stardust Genius uh, moveset right. and maneuvers and mannerisms. And it, it's like he's still fixated on four years ago, and he's still fixated on being that guy, being that what what is it, the Showa or what's the um, the top star? I forget what the Japanese term is, but he, he's like he he always used to say I'm the top star right. in New Japan, and he was trying to solidify it that night, and he cared too much about it that night, and it cost him. Exactly. So that's amazing storytelling. It's amazing storytelling, and there's a lot of people on the internet that are upset. That oh, they're not- they are pissed, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have put money on this. <laughs> I wish I would have put money on this because the odds makers were saying the same thing too, and yeah. I was like, no, I see it. I yeah. see Okada. Yeah, young boy saw the vision that Okada was going to keep it, and I mean. And it didn't. It, it's not like Naito suffered because of it. He's not. He didn't get buried or anything of that nature. If anything, it felt like it made him bigger afterwards. Right. And I mean, there's a possibility that Okada keeps the belt for another year. Dude, at this point, he's on some Inoki crap right now. He's like Inoki with that NWF title. Like, who's gonna beat this guy for the? Like, we haven't seen a title reign in Japan like this since. Uh, Man, since Kenta Kobashi in 03 to 05, like, it's been that long since we've seen that level of title reign. I mean, this is like, this is like Samoa Joe and like Daniel Bryan and Ring of Honor. Like, it's that kind of level. It's like Hulk Hogan in uh, WWF. Like, like, we haven't seen a title reign like this in Japan in a long, long, long time. Yeah. So. They're letting us know that he's the best. And a lot of people are mad about it, but I saw... Don Callis mentioned this. He was like, hey, when, or maybe it was Kevin Kelly. I don't, I think it was Don Callis. He was like, when Tiger Woods was at the top of his game, there was many great players, but there was only one Tiger Woods. You know, same thing when Jordan was at the top of his game, how many like amazing Hall of Famers were there that weren't winning the championship because they had to go up against Jordan and he kept winning and, and the Bulls and they kept winning. And it's the same thing. These guys are the best wrestlers in the world, but they're, they're going up against the ace, right. the top guy. He's not going to lose at the Tokyo Dome, guys. If you're listening to this, the guy who beats Okada in the Tokyo Dome is going to be, be the new ace. He's going to be the new ace. He's going to be the top guy. And Knight, I think that they got plans for Naito to be a top player for years to come. And he's he's like going to be the, one of the top guys. And he'll probably be the guy that beats him for the title. But it wasn't going to be that night. It just wasn't. And I told you guys it wasn't. Right. All right, so let's uh, cutting a promo. (laughs) Let's uh, cover like the highlights from New Year's Dash. Really, before we do that, let's let's do this. Overall, as a show, what were your like final thoughts and like you know? Because some people are saying like it's a great show, bad show, you know, whatever. What what are your like final thoughts on the show? Overall, I thought it was a top to bottom, a very great professional wrestling show. Mm Hmm. Yeah. I did too. Um, I've seen a lot of people that were like, oh, it wasn't as good as the last like three Wrestle Kingdoms. So they like said that they're disappointed. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, I, which, that makes no sense to that me. That makes no sense. I will say it was not on the. Like, I would, and for my opinion, Wrestle Kingdom 11 was better than this year. But I mean, it had a six star match on it. Yeah, what was your rating for the main event? Oh, for the main event. Um, after the second time I watched it, I was at four and a half. I'm like lower on it now that I've had time to reflect. I was at four and a half, but I started thinking about it and I'm like, 
It's probably like it probably is four and a half, but I'm like four and a quarter on it. The first time I watched it, I was at four and a quarter, but the second time I changed to four and a half. I didn't enjoy it as much the second time. Like it's it's not a match that I would. It, 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 don't get me wrong, it's a great match. The storytelling was awesome. Oh, and then we didn't even talk about like after the match was over. We we haven't got the transcript yet on what. Uh, Okada, said. Okada said, but Okada cut a promo, and it's from what people were saying. They, they were saying that he was proclaiming that Naito is like that that terminology that he used the top star of New Japan. He's like, hey, he like put him over basically right. after the match, and Naito was like dejected and like falling over, walking out. That was a, a big Wrestle Kingdom moment. I was like, yeah, like probably like four and a quarter for the match quality. The, the storytelling is amazing. I don't think I'll watch the match again unless like something. Maybe I will just to see the uh, the access presentation of it, but very 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 good match. Yeah. Um, for me, I thought that this undercard pretty much rival. I don't think that since Wrestle Kingdom Nine, there's been as good of an undercard for any of the shows. Um, yeah, the top matches didn't compare to last year's like top four, but I mean, that that's one of the greatest like. F- yeah. four match lineups you've ever seen in the history. Right. Of you wrestling. can't get that every single year, and you can't go into wrestling shows expecting five-star matches every time because there's only like a handful of matches per year that actually truly are five-star or you know quote-unquote better if that's even a thing like it's unrealistic i think when you the rating system kind of goes like this one star is like garbage two stars is like underperforming three star is good four is great and anything over four is like real awesome. is like awesome yeah. yeah so I mean if, if you're getting multiple four star matches and stuff that's close we had one that was near five stars that's an incredible show yeah especially since even the stuff that and it's not all about star ratings the way that the show flowed it felt like it was a six hour show that felt like it was a three hour show yeah it was great I mean it's a great show and the story and the booking made sense was logical everything was solid and it just was like boom 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 there was nothing to complain about so it's probably still going to end up being the show of the year no matter what anyone else throws out there Wrestlemania is not going to be anywhere close to this in terms of like enjoyment of a a quality wrestling show this is going to be it probably yeah all right, so yeah, let's uh, cover the New Year's Dash highlights Year's Dash. real quickly. We're going to talk about the angles, the major angles that happened. Um, if you want to see the match results, you can look those up. Uh, but the So the first angle that happened happened after a 10-man tag between uh, the Bullet Club and Taguchi Japan. Um, at the end of the match, uh, Cody submitted Finley. And then post-match, um, Cody just goes crazy and starts attacking Ibushi. Um, and it's getting ready to hit him for chair. Kenny Omega comes out. His former tag partner from the Golden Lovers runs out, makes the save. And then Cody and Omega get into a shoving contest. And Omega tells Cody... I'm the leader of the Bullet Club. Yeah, so this was a really uh, eye-opening moment because they teased dissension between uh, Cody and Kenny last year. And even prior to that, they were teasing the dissension between uh, Adam Cole and Kenny earlier in the year. Right. Um, So there's been some, like, division going on with the Bullet Club for a little while here. And... I, I was surprised because I didn't think they were going to continue the storyline between, uh, Oka- or I'm sorry, between uh, Abushi and Cody beyond this. But it seems like maybe they will be. Right. And Kenny plays into it somehow. Right. It's going to come to a point like 
Kenny, do you care about your friend Ibushi or you care about the Bullet Club? Yeah, and so, and you know what? They hadn't been really been playing up over the years that him and Ibushi were really friends or anything like that. There's been no on-screen stuff that's, or even like any social media stuff that indicates, I mean, granted, everyone knows that they really are like lifelong friends and it, maybe even other stuff too. <laughs> uh, but, they, that, but I mean, he turned on him to, to join the Bullet Club and right. all that. They, well, actually, I don't even know if he turned on him. I think they had that big blow-off match in DDT a few years ago. And since then in kayfabe, they haven't really had an open public friendship in wrestling. So the fact that he came out and saved him was kind of like mind-boggling. And I'm like, where is this, you know, where is this really going to lead? Um, that was that was really surprising. And then what happened after? So after that, um, Kenny, he came with a Bullet Club t-shirt, grabbed the mic, and he was saying, you know, he's tired of the infighting in Bullet Club and says that they need, a, a, you know, to be unified. And that he had a solution to help bring make the group stronger. And he calls out Switchblade Jay White. And offers Switchblade a the Bull Club shirt and join the club. Uh, Switchblade puts the shirt on. They uh, he offered it too sweet, but Kenny's like, no, we don't do that anymore. And gave yeah. him a, gave him a hug. Gave him a hug. And then uh, Jay White turned the hug into the Blade Runner and took the shirt off and threw the shirt back at. Um, uh, Chase Owens and Takahashi came out. Yeah, he got out of there before they came in. Yeah, to, he threw the shirt right at Chase Owens. This was straight. This was DDP uh, pulling the diamond cutter on Scott Hall in WCW in 1997 or nine, I think it was 98. Um, really cool moment. I mean, like, because it really did seem for a moment they're like they were adding him. Yeah, the first the first time I watched it, I was like, oh wow, that's, that's that will help Jay White put him in the Bullet Club. But uh, as we saw today, or well, yesterday, um, Jay White is actually signed with the Chaos Faction, Okada's Chaos Faction. Yeah, so there were some cool things about it where, like, you know, Kenny was pointing out, he was like, you know, there's been dissension amongst our ranks. We're not a team. We haven't been a team for a long time. He's like, we need, he's like, we need to unify the Bullet Club once again and get everybody on the same page. And there's been issues between him and like Tamatonga as well. Like during the G1 last year, there was. And even like on screen during like the, the uh, tag tournament, uh, there seems to be a disconnect between like the the original Bullet Club members and their family, like all the Tongan guys, and then the the Western guys over you know over in America that are right. Ring of Honor doing their their thing. It's like it's a whole they're two totally different groups almost at this point. And um, Kenny kind of like recognizing that and pointing it out in storyline is very interesting. And then it so then when he was like we're gonna bring in a new member that's gonna bring cohesiveness. Yeah, like no, like it doesn't make sense at all. Right, like you guys kind of need to cut some guys. Yeah, you probably need to tighten things up a bit because when the bull club started, there was just four members. Then they added three members, and that was like their strongest group they ever had. Really, um, was when when it was like just seven guys. Now it's how many people are in the bull club? Like ten, twelve? Like, yeah, it's huge because I mean you have the Bucks, Omega, Cody. Takahashi, Hangman Page, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, Leo Tonga, Leo, Leo Tonga, Yujiro Takahashi. That's like twelve guys. Randy right Rhodes, Tokyo Latina. <laughs> yeah, and they've had they've had other guys too at different points, like Bone Soldier. Yeah, uh, Jeff Jarrett was. Jeff Jarrett. Was they've, a man. they've had yeah. a lot of like, and Adam Cole was in there. Yeah, Adam Cole. Yeah, they've been up to like fourteen or fifteen. This is straight NWO territory at this point. So, um, it wouldn't have made sense to bring him in to really strengthen them. Although I saw a lot of fans predicting oh, this. Oh, Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull, yeah. So 
I mean, they got a ton of guys right now, and there were there's a lot of people that were predicting that this was going to happen, and so for them to pull the swerve and for him to to take out uh, Kenny, Kenny was really awesome. I listened to the. Uh, the um, interview, and actually, I'm surprised. I had to. I, you you have to. If you guys want to listen to the interview, um, you'll have to find a link for it. I think they have it on New Japan World, but it's uh, it's not on their web. It's not on the YouTube site yet. Um, so it's actually difficult to find, but it's out there on the internet. You can find it. The it's basically they did a a, a press conference with Jay White and Okada, and Okada came out. And we'll talk about what Okada talked about here in a moment when we go to his storyline. But Jay White started uh, when he came out, he basically announced that he's the newest member of Chaos, which is really, really cool. But he his character work and his uh, comments were really, really cool. He started saying that he's here to change New Japan entirely. And he said that the reason that he, he saw he's like um, He's like, I've observed what goes on in wrestling, and what I've seen is that when you have potential, people of power can witness the potential in you. But if you really have potential, then you can witness the power that they have. He's like, and I see the power that Kenny has over the guys in his club and the the people in wrestling. And he's like, and that's his weakness because he thinks that he's all-powerful, and he's not. He's like, he thinks that he's unbeatable and he's not just because he's this great wrestler and this great bout machine. He's like, and that's his weakness because he thinks he's better than – that he can't make mistakes and his mistake was thinking that he could control someone like me just because he sees potential in me he's like that was his weakness because I'm going to take his power away from him he's like I'm going to destroy the Bullet Club I was like whoa and if you think about it like this actually plays into his old character because Jay White was on excursion in Ring of Honor and he teamed up with the Machine Guns and um John Gresham to fight the Bullet Club that whole time when he was in Ring of Honor. Oh, the the uh, Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, and yeah. So, he, he mentioned that he's had run-ins with them since well, he's been a young right. boy. So yeah, since he's been a young boy in Ring of Honor, so he has a whole point to be against the Bullet Club. He he brought it up. He's like he's like the problem is he was like. Tamatonga's over here doing his thing and the Western guys over here doing their thing. Cody's doing his thing. Kenny's doing his thing. He's like, and there's dissension there. No one's talking about it. He's like, and I'm, he's like, I'm the volatile component. He's like, they try to bring me in there. He's like, but all I got to do is just push him here, here and here. And it's over. Right. And he's like, he's literally saying he's going to break up the bullet club. And, um, something else he mentioned, like, he's like, no, there's not enough infighting, between uh, stable members, he's like, he want like, why isn't any Bullet Club member challenging Kenny for the U.S. title? Yeah, that was really cool because he started to do two things. One, he's challenging the status quo in New Japan, where he's like, hey, listen, you got all these guys on their own on teams, and he was like, and when when a, he's like, when a when a team has a guy that has a title, no one else in the team wants to go after that title. He's like, why? So all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this like tradition where guys that are on the same teams won't go after each other's titles. It's about to change. He's trying to change that. But then he's also kind of punking out. He was like, he was like, Kenny's got the US title. He's like, why won't Tama go after it? Why won't Fale go after it? He's like, Hangman Page. He's like, all these guys, he was like, he was like Cody. He's like, all these guys are they they feel like it's so important to be part of a group, quote unquote. And but Kenny thinks he's the leader, and they just do whatever Kenny tells them. And I'm like, oh snap! Yeah, he's like, and he he was just dropping bombs this whole press conference. Yeah, he was like, you guys are his little lap dogs. He's like, and you should be going after his title. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, he's sowing a bunch of seeds of, of dissension in in the ranks there. Which and there's already rifts that are present. So this is something that I'm like, man, this could be a big year for 
for the Bullet Club. Um, I don't really know how it's going to play out. I, I do assume at some point things are going to break up. But yeah, I, I'm saying it right now. I feel like by the end of 2018, the Bullet Club will split up somehow. Yeah, I assume the Bullet Club, and I could be wrong, but they need to maybe to some degree exist because the merchandise sales are so hot. So they've never, the group is maybe at one of its weakest points it's ever been at. Even though the characters that are in it are super over and experiencing amazing career renaissances and high points, as a group, as a faction, as yeah. a faction, they're not. It's they really haven't been the same ever since. I mean, since Prince Devitt left, they they definitely became a totally different type of group when uh, AJ came in. But they still were kind of like the Bullet Club. Once they got rid of AJ and the Elite became a thing, they've never been the same like they they, they suzuki gun kind of took that place of being the top heel faction right they're just like a cool faction now guys and so they're but at the same time they're making more money than they've ever made with right this brand. so it's like why would you want to kill the brand when they're making more money off of it right. than they ever have and i mean who doesn't want to be part of that brand if 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 you can license it and make as much money as they are which is part of the reason because they were planning to end the bullet club after aj left and they were just going to do the elite yeah with kenny and the bucks but then the merch just kept going up and up so like wait we can't end this now I mean, you've said that you think that maybe the Tongan guys will go off and do their own thing, and I could see that happening, but at the same time, it's like, what? I mean, they could, but I'm like, dang, like, Tama and freaking Faler are the original Original. Bullet Club members, like, they should be, but Tama's almost at this point where he doesn't need the Bullet Club at this point, he's ready to go off on his own and do something, and I mean, Faler's Faler, he's gonna be fine no matter who he's with or whatever he's doing, so they could break up, but really interesting, and then the other thing with, with Jay White was he started to call out Okada during the press conference and he made it very clear he's like hey this arrangement that we have is just that he's like I'm only part of this group because I realize A I can't beat the Bullet Club on my own and B like I need an alliance but he's like ultimately this alliance is just a temporary thing to benefit me to benefit me and he was like, there will be a day that you and I will wrestle because you're one of the best in the world. And I'm and he's like, and you're underestimating me and you don't know what I'm capable of. He's like, and I don't even care if it's worth for your belt or not. I'm, yeah. You and I, we got heat. Basically. And then Okada said, you're not mature enough to wrestle me right now. Yeah, Okada, like, it was like Okada heard him and understood what he was saying. And Okada was like, well, you know, usually like stable mates don't wrestle until like G1. That's the only time. And he's like, but I guess in theory, he was like, in theory, it could happen. I don't think he's ready for things to change the way, like, Jay White is like, I want to change New Japan and turn it into this, like, really competitive, like, you you always hear Vince McMahon talk about, like, uh, the Attitude Era where everyone was trying to be the top guy. Right. It's like Jay White's coming here. He's like, why isn't everyone trying to be the top guy? Why is everyone trying to get along? He was like, this needs to be the most competitive freaking company in the world. And I'm like... Heck yeah, I'm all a let's, let's go sling blade. I'm all a switchblade. Dang, I did it again. I'm all about that. Like, let's go. So that was pretty tight. Yeah. And uh, so the next big thing that happened on New Year's Dash, you had the rematch for the Never Six Man titles. Um, Fale, Tonga, and Tongaroa um, challenging Beretta, Ishii, and Yano. And the Tongan guys ended up getting back their six man titles. They had the same finishing sequence where Beretta. Reversed the gun stun into a backslide and then went for the dude buster. But then Tamman was able to roll out and hit the gun stun. So Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaroa are your new never six man champs. 
Then next we had a 10-man tag with Suzuki Gun against Tanahashi, Elgin, and War Machine. Actually, it was an eight-man tag. Sorry about that. Um, and we had um, Killer Elite Squad hit the Killer Bomb on Hanson. And then post-match... And they jobbed them boys out, and they're yeah, out of there. Yeah, so Elgin and War Machine, they're out of here. And then post-match, Suzuki shows how frustrated he was from having to have his head shaved. Yeah, he came out with his head shaved, and, and he was pissed. And he beat the crap out of Tanahashi and worked Tanahashi's leg over. Yeah, he kept hitting him with the chair. And, and then uh, he, he actually sneak-attacked uh, Tanahashi during the match right. and started to attack his leg and then kept doing it after the match which plays into the injury storyline and if if you guys remember last year Suzuki Gun made their return and attacked Okada and then we got that that new beginning match and it was the ultimate body part match I mean <laughs> but he really like killed Okada's leg to where it, it was very believable that he could have beat Okada that night. Nobody in New Japan knows how to work a body like part like the way that Suzuki does. Nobody has that legitimate background to where it's like they, they seem to have that knowledge like that like this guy's a shooter like he can except for maybe like Zack Sabre Jr. is the only other guy I can think of right. where it's like dang he could destroy a guy's body part and there's a target on Tanahashi with that leg Right. And that's that's the storyline. And uh, Suzuki picked up the Intercontinental title, so we can assume that Suzuki will be the next challenger for the Intercontinental title, probably at one of the three New Beginning shows coming up. Yeah, he he got on the mic and said that the IC title is the, is his future, basically, or that right. like it's his destiny. So he's planning to take the IC title from uh, Tanahashi, which is I don't know, I don't. I'm optimistic. It should. I hope that's that should be a good program. All, t- you know, when it's all said and done. Right. And then the main event of the night, you had Lij and a five. It's a ten man tag. Lij taking on the Chaos team of Ghetto, Goto, Okada, Osprey, and Yoshihashi. Uh, Lij showed what a great faction they were in this match. Came down to Naito hitting the Destino on Yoshihashi, getting the win. They're the most cohesive team in New Japan right now when it comes to multi-man matches and and team chemistry. Lij is the top team. They're the top guys. Um, and then so after the match, they Lij beats down Okada, um, and Sonata puts the skull end on Okada. Takahashi hit Osprey with the time bomb too. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we can assume that Takahashi will be challenging um, Osprey at some point. But there was another little uh, wrinkle in there. Evil dropped Goto with the Darkness Falls too. Right. So, and he's the Never Champion. Okay, right. So Goto. I mean, uh, yeah. So yeah, Goto will be defending against Evil probably. And then yeah, so Sonata put the skull in on Okada. And so it came out that Sonata wants to challenge Okada for the world title. And Okada accepted as long as Sonata gave him a tag title shot and Goto will be his partner, which makes even more sense for why Goto would defend the Never title against Evil. Yeah, so we're getting three different shows for New Beginning. Uh, Two of them in Sapporo and then the other one's in, what, Nagata? I think it's Osaka. Or Osaka, okay. And so... The, the Sapporo shows are a two-night affair, and then the one in Osaka is one night. So I'm assuming that – and they haven't announced anything yet, but based on what we're seeing, there's probably going to be one night where we get the tag team title match of Goto and Okada against 
Lij for the tag titles. That will probably main event one of the shows. Right. And then you'll probably get a night where it probably the next night um, you'll get or one of one of the other shows you'll get Okada versus Sonata as the main event. Goto versus. Uh, Probably on the evil same night. Th- same show, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and then tell us what happened after Lij. Yes, yeah, so after uh, they took out Okada, Naito gets on the mic to cut the traditional show closing promo. He says he lost. There's no excuses. And then next thing you know, Chris Jericho, the Alpha, comes back. Which I said two weeks ago on this very program that Jericho is going to feud with Naito next. He comes out, attacks Naito. And um, that's gonna be a, a matchup at some point. I don't know how soon they're gonna do it, but I think it's gonna be at the new beginning since they're doing three shows. Yeah. I bet you it headlines one of the new beginnings, probably the one in uh, Osaka. Probably the one in Osaka, Which Osaka is, uh, Joe Hall. February, yeah. That's the big one. So I I'm guessing that they'll do the two night shows of Lij versus uh, Chaos, and then for the big show they'll do Alpha and that. Hey. Technically speaking, guys, this might not be true, but you could say that Jericho has a loose affiliation or could even be a loose considered member of Chaos because the guys that he's been chilling with are Rapongi 3K, Ghetto, Ghetto and Jado, and, and also Rocky Romero. Sure. Those are the guys that are like following him to all the press conference. And I know that they're like the U.S. liaisons and all that, but... He's got a history with with uh, Jado. He's got a history with Gato. These those are his boys in New Japan right now. He has yeah. In, in the pull apart, the pull apart was those guys the ones that pulled Jericho apart while Lij was pulling right uh, Naito apart. So it's kind of interesting. So it's almost like seeing Naito against Jericho. You could say it's also, especially since all the other Lij members are in feuds going forward with uh, Chaos members. With chaos, I think that that's going to be the big headlining match going into Osaka Hall. I could be wrong, but it probably will be. All right, so that wraps up New Year's Dash. And um, oh, we, there was one other thing uh, we didn't really talk about it, but Kitamura had a oh, singles yeah, match. Yeah, right. Kitamura is doing this uh, seven match challenge series. That's what I read. I mean, I haven't got too much information on it because you know there hasn't been like an official news, but people are saying that the, it's a the. During during if you go online and you go onto New Japan World and you look at the match card, they said that special 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 match one of seven for Kitamura. Right. So it's like it sounds like he's getting seven special singles matches, um, and then the rumor is that he's going to go on an excursion after these seven matches are completed. So the first night he wrestled the returning Jay White at New Year's Dash. Right. So we'll, we'll be interesting to see who he faces. And he got jobbed out. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the new beginning shows. Uh, so, yeah, that wraps up Wrestle Kingdom 12, New Year's Dash. As I mentioned earlier, we got the schedule. Was there anything on that on that card that you thought was, like, blow away? Or not, obviously not blow away, but you thought was, like, really good? Um, The main event was... The main event was probably the best match. Right. I mean, if you want a very funny match, watch uh, The Elite versus Cheeseburger and Rapungi 3K. Oh, Cheeseburger was awesome in that match. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's some some of our uh, friends and fans watching that match probably won't enjoy it. Watching, like, uh, Kenny and the Young Bucks sell for Cheeseburger is almost... Yeah. It's so ridiculous, but... Yeah, but that match was hilarious. The, the, the New Year's Dash card is always full of, like... Comedy, comedy matches, and you kind of need that in wrestling after like a big, a big night. show like that. Yeah, but that I actually really those were the two matches that I would say go out of your way to watch if you can is uh, to watch the um, 
the the elite versus uh, Rapongi 3K and Cheeseburger, and then the main event of Lij versus Chaos. All right, and that's they have English commentary for that um, on njpwworld.com. So if you're one of the new subscribers, that's a sub- subscribe for Wrestle Kingdom. Go ahead and watch New Year's Dash, and you know get used to watching uh, more New Japan shows. And speaking of New Japan shows, we have the full, well, not the full, but the major lineup up until the end of August um, for the New Japan shows. You have that pulled up? Um, yeah, I, I can pull it up here. What? Yeah, so we the big tw- uh, 2018 match schedule, they always announce it um, during Wrestle Kingdom. There usually is more information that comes out as time goes on, like, um, and it generally doesn't include like the road to shows. Um, so there's probably going to be more shows kind of in between these big major shows, but, um, let me see here. I got it up a few. You're, you're good. You can go ahead. All right. So, uh, January 27th and 28th, there's the new beginning in Sapporo, February 10th, the new beginning in Osaka on March 6th. There's a 46th anniversary show. On March 21st, there will be um, the New Japan Cup Finals. On March 25th, there is the Strong Style Evolve show happening in Long Beach. April 1st, you have Sakura Genesis. Big, big show. Yeah, very Sumo big. Sumo Hall. Yep. April 29th, you have the Wrestling High No Kuni show. Which I guess they used to do it years ago. They just brought it back after a two-year hiatus. Then May 3rd and May 4th, you have Wrestling Duntaku. Is it has that always been two nights or is that the first time? I think it's only been one night in the past. Okay. I might be mistaken. Um, then on May 18th is the opener for the best of the super juniors. It must be the opener. Yeah, from what I'm seeing from this thing I have pull up it's saying it's the opener. Okay. Um, then June 9th we have Dominion in Osaka, which is another That's like one of the biggest, biggest shows there. Right. I mean it's it's one of the big four, yeah. Then the first three nights of the G1 Climax 28 will be July 14th, 15th, and 16th. And then uh, the A Block Final, B Block Final, and overall finals of the G1 Climax 28 will be happening August 10th, 11th, and 12th. And the big thing about the G1 Climax 28 finals is it's happening in uh, Budokan Hall, which is a pretty big arena that they have not been they haven't in. been there in like 13 years yeah so something like that that's how good business is right now that they're going back to this bigger arena for the final uh three nights of the g1 the one of the big things with it is um and people talked about this i don't know all the details but uh ddt ran a show there uh back in like 2012 or 2011 and it was one of the biggest shows they ever did, and it, it was the blow-off to the feud between Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi at the time before they came over to New Japan. And um, <laughs> this in, things are very different in Japan, and you have to be respectful of rules and things like that. In the past, New Japan has had times where they've been kicked out of different arenas. Well, on this particular night in question, Kota Ibushi did a... Um, Freaking! What was it? He did a uh, moonsault off the balcony. Yeah, and they banned him. From what we can gather, it's kind of hard to find information, but people are saying that he's banned from life from that arena. So that means he like literally can't be in the G one if that's the case. If they can't get him cleared to be in there, he how can he compete if he can't? 
compete on the final three nights. Nice, right. So that's Let's, like almost a big spoiler where it's like. Unless I did like an injury angle. I don't want Kota Ibushi <laughs> not being the G1. Are you kidding me? Yeah, hopefully the ghetto and those guys can work a deal out to get Ibushi in there. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that going forward. But that is a really, really stacked. Uh, I mean, it's awesome to kind of have an idea of where we're going with August. I think they're doing more shows, or they've announced more shows than they normally do. It's it's going to feel like a more well-round, like almost like a more year-round company. I mean, they are year-round, but like yeah. like week to week, it's like, man, we're going to have a lot to cover this year. Right, and uh, guys, you know, listen to our show every week. We will keep you updated on when the shows will be coming out. And you can also check on njpwworld.com. They always have the schedule of videos that will be airing on New Japan World. Like I was on there earlier, and there are going to be Road 2 shows before the new beginning in Osaka. Also, um, coming up soon, there's going to be the Fantastica Mania show, which is a collaboration with CMLL. Uh, those are three shows that are happening before New Beginning in Sapporo. So be on the lookout for those. We'll be covering those shows on on this uh, broadcast. Yeah, they'll be fun. Yeah. They were fun last year. I mean, there's n- never anything. There's always like maybe one or two matches that are like pretty great, but nothing. Right. Uh, Which is why they're not they're not listed on this big match lineup. Yeah, this big card lineup. And they're technically, even though they're like quote unquote canon. They don't really further or progress the storylines in New Japan hardly at all. Or maybe sometimes they do a little, little bit, but very rarely. I mean, there's not much that's going to be... If you didn't tune into them, whatever. But if you're a fan of Lucha or you want to see guys from CMLL that you're not familiar with, like Hechicero or like, you know, uh, I don't know. Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee. Teton. Teton. Ultimo Guerrero. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of those guys. Uh Barbero Cavanero, that's my favorite guy from uh, CMLL. He's freaking awesome. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's going to be good. Um, uh, yeah, did you have anything else? Yeah, so I mean, there's quite a few different things we should probably talk about. Um, one of them is we talked about it uh, last week that they were, there was going to be a video game announcement. Right, yeah. Um, so, Jeremy, tell us uh, what they kind of dropped on us, basically. Right, so on January 3rd, there was the Wrestle Kingdom Fan Fest, and they made the announcement that there will be New Japan wrestlers in the upcoming Fire Pro Wrestling game that's coming out on PS4 sometime this year. So it's not a standalone New Japan game. You're just going to have guys like Naito, Omega, Okada, Tanahashi... In as playable characters in the Fire Pro Wrestling game. I'm assuming they're gonna have the full roster, right? Because it they already. The truth is they already have the full roster. I mean, the entire roster of New Japan guys is in the Fire Pro game. I mean, Fire Pro has literally hundreds and hundreds of wrestlers from around the world in it. And they just, just changed the name, changed the name, changed the attire and color scheme a little bit. So these guys already existed. I mean, the, the logic. I mean, if you've never played Fire Pro, they actually have computer logic and uh, like move like move sets that match the actual how the real wrestlers actually behave. It's pretty for a 2D fighter. It's pretty crazy. But at this point now, they're just updating it to where it's the actual wrestlers. They're going to have the actual New Japan arenas. And one of the cool things is they're actually going to have a story mode this year where a lot of the uh, Fire Pros in the past haven't had a story mode. They're actually going to have the titles from New Japan, and they're adding different features that weren't there before. I'm a, I was a little disappointed with this announcement because I did want, I want I want the full standalone, standalone New, New Japan, Japan game. game. Yeah, yeah, but I mean for for. It's better than this being some sort of crappy mobile fighter. 
Right. So, I mean, it, it should be pretty cool. I mean, I, hopefully I'll have a PS4 by the time this comes out and I can actually enjoy the game myself. I, you know, so. Um, but that that was really exciting. I mean, we thought it was going to be something else. And, I mean, it was. I'm pleasantly surprised that New Japan or Fire Pro World is going to feature New Japan. And going forward, if that series continues, I mean, it probably opens the door for more, like, collaborations with New Japan. So, really, really cool yeah. stuff. Um, in other news, um, we've got a little bit an update, uh, af- like after Wrestle Kingdom, um, Dave Meltzer of uh, Wrestling Observer Radio basically came out uh, earlier today, and he said that the Wrestle Kingdom 12 um, subscriptions to New Japan World that they skyrocketed that within just 24 hours they went from having a user count of 70,000 to 95 thousand subscribers so they increased by literally twenty five thousand that's 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 crazy that is crazy that's a 35 percent increase in a 24-hour period for the show um i don't i don't know that wrestlemania does numbers like a number increase like that when they you know have i know these are always cyclical i'm sure these numbers will go down between now and next year but that's that's a huge increase. That just shows you how much um, interest was there for this for this these two dream matches and for this card overall. I mean, that's last year they did an uh, they they increased by ten thousand, and so they actually increased by another twenty five thousand this year. That's freaking amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. What about the uh, you have the attendance number? Uh, I don't have the official attendance numbers, but it was something like um, close to like thirty four thousand paid. Yeah. But overall, there was like 43,000 people in the building. They're considering it a sellout for the show, considering the the way like the way that they'd set it up with the stage and the uh, available seats. They're calling it a near sellout. It was an, it was the um, the most people they've had in like 15 years, essentially, in the show. They, I think, for Wrestle Kingdom six or seven, they had more paid attendance. So they didn't outdo that number, but they actually had more physical people in the building. And some people are like, well, how can they have like, you know, almost 10,000 unpaid people in the in the building? Um, from what I understand, because of the sponsorships that they have and the partnerships with different sponsors and like media, it's normal for them to have that level of unpaid people in the in attendance because of the sponsorships. Right. And it's almost kind of like what WWE does sometimes where they paper shows like they'll go out and give people free tickets just so they can get the attendance number up. I don't know if it's so much like I would consider it like papering. But, yeah, yeah, I think like because of their their alliances with different sponsorships. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've right. been, I'm not saying it's the same, but it's kind of that concept of like how can there be unpaid people? In there? I've, I've been to UFC show. I know UFC does the same thing with like Fox because I've been to a UFC show where I went for free because I had a connect and um Fox has comped tickets. You know right. what I'm saying? You know what I mean? So, right, yeah. Because Fox is their sponsor. So that's the same thing. If you have sponsors and you're a big company like that, you're going to have people that are comped coming to the show. I don't think it's so much like they're going on the street like trying to convince people to come in by papering it. But I know what you're saying. I'm just, you know, I think that the bottom line is for, for New Japan, this was considered an extremely successful event for them. Um, so that's pretty awesome. So we got those numbers. Uh, some other news. Um, for those of you that might be thinking about attending New Japan's next U.S. event, Strong Style Evolved on January – or I'm sorry, 
uh, the date March 25th March 25th they the tickets um, officially are going to go on sale on January 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern time 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific uh, Standard Time uh, they announced that basically what the ticket prices are going to be so if you want to sit uh, like on the floor uh, for rows 1 through 4 it's going to be a $200 uh, price tag for rows 5 through 12 it's going to be $150 if you're going to stand in the stadiums which I guess are bleachers for the first 7 rows it's $100 rows 8 through 14 is $80 and for uh, the last 15 through 24 it's $50 um, last year they sold out that show uh, in Long Beach within minutes Right. so I'm assuming there's a good possibility that this show will sell out very quickly yeah they are in a bigger building but i'm still expecting a very fast sellout yeah so but i mean those are the details there and if you want to uh you know look up the buy the tickets or whatever you can go online new japan uh ngpw1972.com and uh you can get your you know all the information i don't know who the ticket provider is for that but uh january 29th so at the end of the month these tickets are going on sale so you'll probably have to act really quickly if you want a chance uh, to do that a um, couple other things so there was some news that basically just recently came out um, New Japan one of New Japan uh, pro wrestling's um, partial owners he was like their chairman and he stepped down earlier this year but he's still he's involved with Ukes and he's one of the uh, top guys as far as like uh, management is concerned in New Japan uh, Takaki Kidani he's been kind of uh, spearheading the US expansion and he's also the individual that uh, last year when they started to do the new, the US expansion he had some very disparaging remarks for um, Vince McMahon and for the rest of the WWE and it was almost like this guy's kind of crazy he's sort of like poking the bear right he did an interview recently with like Tokyo Sports and he also talked to uh Striga from PuroLove.com. Oh, no, no, no. They, they provided the translation, but he said that um, they, they're going to continue to try to fill out the Tokyo Dome, and they actually plan next year to increase the, uh, the seating arrangement so that they can put more people in the outfield. And he feels like right now what they need is more Japanese stars and a heavyweight star in his 20s. So they're like looking towards the next guy, which they don't feel like they have right now. But um, he did say that right now the, the fan base is rising and sales have been, been extremely up in 2018. And so that they have more money now to pay more wrestlers. And so they're looking to bring in more wrestlers um, who have had a relationship with WWE in the past, he said. Uh, he said that they plan to do this until WWE kind of like decides to play nice with them. And so he said that uh, bringing in Jericho had a positive impact on the company's bottom line and overseas exposure. And they already have him like lined up to face uh, Tetsuya Naito. So that he said that um, he remembers like basically back in 2012, they they had 1,890 members in their official New Japan fan club, and that that figure right now is at 12,000. Wow. Yeah. So the base of their fan like their uh, fan base has like gone up extremely, and he said that he almost like it's like he's almost threatening that they're going to keep poaching ex WWE guys. Until WWE basically says, yeah, we'll partner with you. Let, he said that they, the other side needs to say, let's get along for the better, betterment of the business. So this dude thinks that WWE at some point is going to basically, instead of trying to compete with them, say, you're over there. We're over here. Let's get along. Let's do talent exchanges. That's what he wants. Right. I, don't, I mean, I don't think that will happen under Vince McMahon's watch. 
But I could see Triple H working with New Japan if he had control of WWE. Heck, maybe with the NXT thing, maybe he can. If NXT could work with New Japan, and you could have guys doing their ex- excursions in NXT. I thought about that before, and, and then you, it could and, happen. And maybe Triple H decides to send NXT guys over there. Essentially, though, I mean that's a really bold thing that this guy has said that he would he wants to try to work with WWE. A year ago, he was talking about wanting to compete with them and start something in America to really challenge them, and now he's like kind of changed his tune a little bit and said like, I think bringing in Jericho changed their perception like wow these US guys because it's funny because WWE this past year and again we're not a WWE podcast but they tried to put over a guy who nationalistically you know was Indian and they wanted to break into an Indian market but there was no market to break into New Japan did did the opposite way they're like this guy's over in a market that we have no exposure and let's bring him over so we can gain more eyes in an established market. It almost seems like WWE would be smart. They've got – they had Ibushi before. They, they couldn't sign him. But they've got Asuka and they've got freaking Nakamura and they got Kenta. These are some, some of the biggest names in Perezu like modern history. Don't you think it would have been smart for them to, to like actually establish them? And what were the chances that they could have possibly gained viewership over in Japan the way that they're starting to pull it over from North America? You know what I'm saying? Right. So this is very, very smart of them to basically say, we can get more eyes on our product if we take the fans who are already watching an inferior product, bring some of those stars over and get them exposed and hooked into what we're doing. We saw it this, this past Wrestle Kingdom. How many people went out and watched Wrestle Kingdom because of the hype of, of Jericho. Right. You mean you have you have people signing up for New Japan World, you have people signing up to get access. I mean, like you said, man, there's twenty five thousand new subscribers, like people are getting hooked on this product. Yeah, I saw a lot of people that basically were saying that they've ne- that they're like, I've never watched New Japan, but I wanna see it because everyone's talking about it and that the hype for it was like that real and if they can like keep bringing over like i'm not saying that the answer to new japan i love new japan and i think it's an awesome japanese product and i i don't want to see it get westernized that's not like what we're about i'm not like sitting here being like yeah let's turn it into wwe right like no yeah no you don't need to do that but the fact of the matter is if there are certain guys that you can bring over and who are like incredible talents and get more exposure um, and maybe you utilize them the right ways so that you can put over guys like Okada and Naito and really build up your brand. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Or like another thing too, I talked to Rich about this. Like what, why couldn't a talent exchange work? You've got guys like, for instance, Seth Rollins who, yeah, he's gone away because of injury, but look how stale this guy is right now. And this was someone who seemed like he was going to be one of the biggest stars in the company. Like two years ago, he was like the focal point of the company and he's like overexposed. What if you sent him away to Japan for a year and how would that be bad for them? I mean, he could go over there, get just like what they're doing with Jericho, get bigger, get new, fresh matches. And when he comes back, it's a big deal. He's a brand new star. That's why I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're on two different sides of the world. This could wouldn't do anything but benefit your company to work with another top promotion. I mean, it's New Japan, you know, like work with them, man. Like the, your company, the, the, the ratings are sucking. Like this is something that could be beneficial to all parties. Right. I don't think it will happen, but that would be freaking awesome. Well, hopefully, we'll, hopefully something will work out in the future. Um, 
I guess the last two things, just real quick to kind of make mention of, um, Jeff Cobb actually just did a interview on WrestlingInc.com where he talked about like his upcoming shows with like uh, MLW, which is here in Orlando. We wanted to go to it, but I, I'm not gonna be able to get off work to be able to go see that. But he talked about the New Japan Cup, and then he brought up the um, the Michael Elgin controversy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of asked him about like the we, we touched on it earlier, you know, a couple shows ago. But he, he said um, basically this is what Cobb said. He's like, you know what? Those kinds of things. I try not to get involved in that. He's talking about the, the tweets. He's like wrestling, you know, even though you're not a wrestler yourself, you've heard all the negativity of being a part of pro wrestling. He's like, there's so much negativity in it. Just takes a toll on you. He's like, in my opinion, you really can't please everyone. He's like, and if someone doesn't like you, it's not really a problem. I don't really care because I'm not losing sleep over it. And in fact, I turn that situation into a t-shirt and I made a bunch of money off of it (laughs) he's like so I just kind of take stuff like that in stride and he's like I'm Hawaiian I just try to stay like laid back and he said like in the future he doesn't really see himself teaming with Elgin again because he's already teamed up with Matt Riddle and because there's similarity in their styles and their personalities that that's kind of where he's going from there so um, I don't know if we're going to see him uh, coming back into New Japan but um, you know he said that like he wanted to go back to New Japan, but there was like some scheduling issues, but essentially he's open to it. So hopefully we see him back. But that was like just Dude, I would love to see Jeff Cobb in the G one. Yeah, I think he would do awesome in the G one, like And there's gonna be some G one spots open this year because Nagata's not gonna be in the G one this year. I wanna see Cody in the G one. Yeah, same here. Uh I think he needs to be in it this I year. I think now that he's not the ROH champion, I think Ring of Honor would let him be in the G one. Because they won't be concerned about him getting beat. Um, something else that kind of popped up on our timeline. It's been known for a little bit, but I don't see a lot of people talking about it. Um, uh, Tetsuya Naito is actually going to be doing a tour here in the U.S. Um, in February. He's done other tours, you know, uh, abroad before, like in Europe, and he obviously Mexico. And he's worked in the U.S. with Ring of Honor, but he's never worked independent shows before. So it's kind of interesting. He's going to be in February on the 16th. He's going to be in Dayton, Ohio for Pro Wrestling Revolver. Um, they haven't announced who he's wrestling yet, but he he's doing a show there. And then he's going to be in Chicago for AAW the next day on February 17th. Uh, he's going to be wrestling Sammy Callahan. He'll also be doing a, uh autograph signing at the Pro Wrestling Tees store that day. And then on the 18th, he's going to be wrestling for Glory Pro Wrestling uh, in St. Louis for their one-year anniversary show. Uh, he'll be wrestling AR Fox. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you're in any of those areas, um, that's something really, you know, worth, like, kind of checking out. I mean, it's Naito. He just headlined the Tokyo Dome. Um, that pretty much wraps up all the news for me. Um, did you have any final thoughts or anything, Jeremy? No, it's going to wrap it up. Um, you know, thank you for everybody for listening and supporting our show and the New Japan product. For all you new subscribers to New Japan World, Listen to our show, and we will guide you on all the upcoming shows that are coming up. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can follow the Social Suplex brand at Social Suplex. Don't forget about our T-shirt contest um, that you can uh, leave a rating and review and be entered to win a wrestling T-shirt of your choice. And make sure you check out all the other shows on our network, One Nation Radio, the SMC Podcast, and the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. 
And uh, next week, uh, next week's episode, we will be um, announcing the winners of the Keeping It Strong Style 2017 New Japan Awards. So that will be a very fun show. Thank you all for voting in that show. Until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang! credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.